Tune in to the Neil Prendival Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And of course, at a time when people are feeling the pinch and feeling the pain with regards to the cost of living, and that's not just householders, but I imagine you'd say an awful lot of businesses as well are tearing their hair out. What do they decide to do? They decide to put up the rates in Cork City Council by 3.8%. The commercial rates go up for next year's budget. And it's interesting because Own English and the Examiner this morning says the rates previously only rose by a total of 1.2% in the last 13 years. So all of a sudden, this insanely high uh, 3.8% is uh, imposed on city businesses. And Mike Ryan from the Cork branch of the Restaurant Association, he also uh, runs Corn Store and Cockbull, he says that this will increase additional operating costs to businesses and it will then render many businesses unviable to go forward. So they certainly pick their time, don't they? The timing, or maybe they're living in a, uh, in a completely different world to the rest of us or indeed have absolutely no idea how difficult it is to try and run a business. And I have no idea why councillors would even vote for that, maybe. Maybe they don't really have any power at the end of the day and it's a city management thing that controls all the shots here. But 3.8% hike in commercial rates, um, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not sending out the right kind of message, is it? Uh, nor is it that we're becoming a, a much more um, attractive country and city for people to come to work and live in. I get that. But the problem is, where will they live when they work here? And you heard in the news there, the Cork Business Association President Kevin O'Hurley saying that he himself is a business, got a lot of different centres, got a fantastic business operation in the city. But he says that he's bought a house now to provide homes for staff because of the accommodation crisis. And the headline of the Echo is a bed for every desk. And he's saying that at least one bed space needs to be created and constructed for every office desk in the city. So for every new job, there should be a new bed. And of course, wouldn't you know that they'd find some way to try and maybe not completely cancel Christmas, but certainly uh, to put a dent in it. And the chief executive, Anne Doherty, has now had to come out and defend uh, their stand for cancelling the official switch on of the Christmas lights. I was telling you some weeks ago that the light, there was talk as to whether they'd be on or not. And then we got clarification and that the fact that the lights would be switched on. Then we were trying to find out when and it would be, they said, at a, an, an un- uh, and well, they knew the date, but they weren't. They weren't going to publish or advertise the date of the switch on. It was going to be done quietly. So that was brought up at City Council last night. Apparently, Labour Councillor John Marr was calling for uh, the Christmas season to be kicked off in style with an official turn on. And uh, City Manager said, "No, it's not going to happen." And just some quotes from her at the meeting uh, Monday night. She says, "It became an event." That was very dangerous. Let's call a spade a spade because you're funneling a large number of unknown numbers of people into a very small space. Uh, and I find that kind of hard to believe. It's not as if this, this hasn't happened uh, over the years. Um, it's a popular event. Families love it. Businesses do really well out of it because you could have, I don't know, 30, 40, 50,000 people coming into the city. So why is it a danger? I mean, who's dangerous? Like, are the people dangerous? Uh, is that this criminality is dangerous? Is it that, um, you know, uh, that maybe uh, they, they can't get enough guardy to police it? Or what's the, or is it that it's just too expensive to put on? I'll come back to this in a few minutes' time. But no official switch on because it's just too dangerous, because it's too popular. I mean, it's like Patrick's is quite broad, isn't it? Patrick's is very broad, isn't it? Last time I checked, very wide. Uh, Dawn Square, 
reasonably wide. Grand Parade, very, very wide. I thought just shut down traffic and do it, I thought. But maybe it's a lot more complicated than I know. But what they have done is, and you know of the robot trees, what did they come in at before? Was it 350,000 or 450,000? Pick, take your pick. It was big money anyway. But I read yesterday that we have solar compacting bins in the city now. Apparently, there's 52 of them, um, which is uh, an amazing piece of technology because you take a standard bin like the old ones, and apparently because it's solar powered, it has some kind of a little mechanism in it that pushes and compacts down the rubbish and the waste in the bin. So you can get like maybe three times as much waste into each bin. So it's brilliant. They're very excited about it at council because it's reducing their carbon footprint. They don't have to go around as often and empty the bins as they do. But the 52 bins come at a fairly eye-watering price. The 52 solar bins cost €182,000. 182 grand. I did the maths on them. There's 52 of them and they cost three and a half grand each. Don't know what the shelf life is on them. Don't know what kind of warranty or guarantee they come with or how long they last. But 182 grand for you. And then we have the Green Party. um, Actually, Solidarity, I should say, Fiona Ryan, my apologies, who wants the Panaban enforced properly because it's kind of a ban, but only in name. Um, and as you probably know, you're not allowed. I mean, it, it's all kind of the things you can and you can't do, the things you must pay, the taxes you got to pay, where you can drive, what time you can drive there. That's all I'm hearing these days. So, you know, you can't drive down Patrick Street from three to half past six unless you're a bus or maybe a taxi or a cyclist or what have you. Uh, but it's not really being enforced. And she's saying we need to enforce the Panaban properly. And I would beg to ask the question, why? What in the name of God would you have a ban like this in place when people struggle to try and get across the keys and bridges just to get on with their lives? I wish somebody could explain that to me. Do you want to jump jump in? Quickly? I can I can I can tell you that I was actually on Pana yesterday evening, and they were, there were two guards there enforcing the ban. They were out there checking cars, telling people you have to turn around, you have to get off Pana. It's for buses only. So it seems like that Pana ban is already starting to be enforced more by Gardaí. There was there was two of them out in the beach. Oh, since so since Fiona Ryan and the Solidarity Party brought it up at City Council, mm. somebody might have called Anglesey Street and says, "Would you ever just put a couple of coppers <laughs> there?" <laughs> It was literally yesterday evening, I'd say, about And hit six people more. Just hit people where it hurts, like find them for driving down yeah. the main street. No, I didn't, I didn't see any fines, to be fair, or anything, but they were out with the book. I mean, probably they were probably sneakily checking tax and insurance as well. What would there. it be? I don't know. I mean... 40 bucks? If, well, how much was... Uh, they've doubled the fines for speeding and everything else. They're going to start doubling the fines. We need to fines. double the fine on the Panaban. That's, that's the Absolutely. only way to clean up the city. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. How much were the, the robot trees? 350 grand. And now you can add another... How much did I say? I can't remember the number now. Something like 182 grand for the solar bins. They certainly know how to spend money, don't they? There's an interesting few stories making the papers today from the courts. And one, of course, and I don't mean to be frightening people, and I was accused yesterday of frightening pensioners. I just want people to be more aware. But it's a story of a Kinsale pensioner, it's in the court reports of the Echo, Liam Healan says that a Kinsale pensioner was duped into believing that he needed to pay four and a half grand to two men. Uh, he travelled to his local credit union on his mobility scooter to withdraw the four and a half grand from his account to give it to a guy called John Moriarty who'd come up in a van from Killarney. Uh, it was a made up story that the poor elderly man believed that he owed them four and a half thousand euro. Thanks be to God that in the credit union, a member of staff um, 
noticed that all was not right and alerted the Gardaí. So Moriarty and another character whose name I don't have in front of me here ended up in court over it and it's uh, before the courts this morning. It's been adjourned for sentencing until November. But again, it's just to be aware uh, that you need to keep an eye out for pensioners and the elderly if you see, even if you see, uh, you know, uh, an unidentified vehicle parked outside their house. By and large, a van, you know, because a lot of the time they're characters who want to do work on your house and, uh, you know, it all ends in tears. And then there's other kind of motor-related stories. There's a very interesting one from down around West Cork. It was before Clonakilty District Court. Judge James McNulty talked about the web that we all weave when he had a motorist before him who had a false driving license uh, since 1986. Um, I don't know how many fake licenses there are out there, but apparently this fellow says, a uh, fellow by the name of Michael Russell, says that he got the fake false driving license at a road bowling match in 1986. And he'd been using it happily since 1986. In fact, he had been using it for so long that he'd almost forgotten that it wasn't a real license. In fact, at one stage, uh, the license was endorsed in 2001 for a drink driving offence. And it was even returned to him after the endorsement. Nobody picked up on it. I mean, it's not a laughing matter. He was a lucky man, though, uh, because the court conditionally discharged him and wished him well in his efforts to finally get himself a real legal license. He's going to have to do his test now at the age of 72. That's going to be a problem. Because I know if I were to do a driving test again with all of the bad habits, I'd definitely fail it. And then another court story with regards to forgeries. Elena Olnick. Uh, who originally came to Ireland from Latvia with her you know, three children, raised a family, an art teacher apparently. She's gone to jail now. She's gone to jail. Uh, she's got two years for forging and changing and altering um, driving licenses and adding on no claims bonus documents and things like that. She was being paid 30 euro per false document. And apparently she made over 700 of these documents. So she was before the courts yesterday. And uh, you'd be mortified if you were one of the red tops this morning that are saying that Russian bombs have hit Poland. It's a front page or as an example in the mirror today. It now turns out that they weren't Russian missiles at all. They were Ukrainian. Uh, so um, that's the problem. When you commit something to paper, you can't erase it. Russian bombs hit Poland. Not so. Even even Biden, who gets confused at the best of times, was one of the first to come out and say, it's highly unlikely and it doesn't look like as if it was uh, Russian missiles. Turned out in the end that they were Ukrainian. And then all the stories in the papers today talk about the times that we live in. Of course, more people will get into the fuel allowance scheme, which is great. About 81,000 extra. And that's where money should really be spent to help those that need it most. Uh, but the interesting one is that um, Diageo were, I'm told, thinking of putting up the cost of pints and all of their products. But now they've announced on the front of the star that there'll be a price freeze on all pints of Guinness and anything that Diageo produce at least this side of Christmas. Uh, so they call it Arthur Christmas uh, and this morning's star front page. But because Heineken are doing so and will continue to do so, I was telling you of pubs up the country who are literally taking out and removing Heineken products. So they'd be taking out Heineken taps, Murphy's, Beamish, Moretti, Coors, Orchard Thieves, all of that. And that's actually happening on Lee's side too because Nana's on Douglas Street and the man who owns that is a guy called Stephen Hackett and he makes the echo today saying that he is now removing all Heineken products from the pub 
on Douglas Street. I may have more on that throughout the course of the morning. Gambling makes many of the newspapers. It's an interesting one because new laws have eventually been passed that are very much more restrictive now on gambling in Ireland. Like, for instance, gambling advertising will be banned between 5.30 in the morning and 9pm. Uh, and that will be, uh, you know, television and radio and what have you. Any kind of advertising aimed at children will be banned. I suppose anything near schools and places like that. Betting companies won't be allowed to sponsor sports teams or events. Their branding won't be allowed at hoardings and boardings at matches. Credit card bets, as well as ATMs on bookmaker premises, will also be prohibited. Uh, One thing that they have admitted that they can't do is they won't be able to control advertising shown, say, for instance, at sporting events in the UK and broadcast into Ireland. But they will ban... Gambling adverts broadcast into Ireland. Don't know how that'll work on the likes of Sky, for instance, and things like that. And there's murder in the public sector because apparently, and I know people will be making jokes about this, um, but they're boiling mad because kettles, fans, heaters, fridges, all non-work-related appliances will be banned in the public sector from the end of next week. You'd think this would be April Fool's, wouldn't you? But it's to cut down on energy costs in public authority buildings, public sector buildings. So all of them will have their kettles taken and their fridges. So I don't know whether to put a sandwich or their lunch that they might eat at the job. They can't switch on the kettle to make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Maybe they'll have to bring flasks. Now, I know we make jokes about the public sector and, you know, the, the amount of work that they do or do not do. And I, I mean, I, I don't mean to generalize against all of them. I think really, in fairness, this is a step too far. People are entitled to have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, aren't they? They're entitled to have a fridge in the workplace to put a sandwich or a salad or to put their lunch that they might want to eat. They're entitled to a microwave, wouldn't you think? And one of them within the public sector says this is an absolute joke because they do all of this and take out all of the non-work-related appliances. But they still have all of the heaters on in empty hallways all over the building. Uh, so again, left hand, right hand. And the papers also talk of uh, the World Cup. And I'll have more on that in a couple of seconds time. Uh, actually, I'll go straight to it because um, the English team are there. But a lot more are there with regards to the English team or the Welsh team for that matter. I think the Welsh, Wales are playing as well, aren't they? They're in the world. Are Scotland? Okay, so Wales and England. But the Wags are there as well. And they're checking in to some very, very swanky accommodation. The Wags and girlfriends. So more on that and a lot more besides. But I want to go to Michael because he got in touch with me earlier in the week and I was mad keen to catch up with him um, because he doesn't get a whole lot of time. He's back in Cork now, but will be heading off again to work again in construction. Uh, and he sent me an interesting text, a text about Qatar and working in Qatar. He says, it's not as bad as your hearing, Neil. And he joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Have you time to chat with me, Michael? I don't mean to put you under any pressure. Yeah, I can give a few minutes. Yeah, no problem. Okay, can you come off speakerphone there? Is that possible? Uh, it's not, man. I know. <laughs> the demands I make on people. <laughs> I know, yeah. Uh, I don't know what can you... One All right. The only reason I ask is so that people can hear what you have to say properly. Anyway, one of the one of the reasons that you got in touch was that one person in particular said, "I have a gut feeling the World Cup might not finish. When the teams go, they'll see exactly what's going on out there." Six and a half thousand workers died during the construction of the stadiums and the hotels. So just pick up on that. Why were you there? What were you doing? Well, I, we, I was down in Qatar. I was over in Bahrain at the time, but um. There was a lot of there was a lot of issues earlier on with scaffolds and uh, lack of uh, lack of um, knowledge and training and all that sort of stuff, and there was people falling off scaffolds. But um, you know, I've seen some bad scaffolds in Cork City as well. Um, but um, 
just stuff like that. Like, like it wouldn't be a, just uh, the situation out there for the workers wouldn't be a hundred percent, and you know they wouldn't be trained up that much. They they'd get limited training. Uh, but now we see things have changed. Um, there's welfare officers now on board all the jobs out there, and um, you know they're, they're they're watching all these things and they're monitoring all the people who are doing it, and they're getting trained up and they're bringing in safety guys and welfare officers. So is it not too late though, Michael? I mean, that's the construction's oh yeah. all finished yeah. now. Starts on Sunday. Yeah. Exactly, the horses after bolting, you know. Yeah. I mean, there is a figure of six and a half thousand migrant workers, and these would have been brought in by contractors from India, Pakistan, Nepal, yeah, Bangladesh, yeah, Sri Lanka, exactly. Senegal, treated appallingly, and their housing and home, the places they lived in, were atrocious, apparently. Yeah, and well, you know something, Neil, as I said, you know, there's welfare officers all on board, and they've been on board, I'd say, for the last 18 months, two years, and they're doing a great job, especially in the, um, the accommodations. I mean, before, though, we say a contractor could come along and he'd say, look, I've got 5,000 beds there, no problem. And you'd find out that the other 5,000, that the same 5,000 beds have been sold on to another, another company. Uh, so all that now has been eliminated because you have to have, a, you have, to have um, an ID and a number for the beds. And you, you, can't be, you can't be playing around with it now anymore. They're not accepting it. You know? OK, but would you accept that it's too little too late? Oh, yeah, it's too late now. And why did they feel that they had to do and improve too little too late? Was it because of the criticism they were getting? Well, outside of the criticism, I'd say, like I said to you as well, there are suicides as well that take place over there, a lot of them. Why would people take their own lives, Michael? Because because they're away from their families for for two years at a time. These guys come over, these guys guys get taken on by agents over in India and Pakistan and, uh, and Nepal. And um, and the 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 agent puts up the up the, the fares, and uh, he sends them off into wherever it is Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Qatar, whatever it is. And then the money gets sent back then by Western Union, and then they have to start paying back the agent in their area. Yeah, I read an article in the Financial Times of the weekend that said that the countries that we've just listed would be uh, looking to go to Qatar to work in construction would go through oh, yeah. an agent, but they could pay up to three thousand dollars to the agent to secure yeah. the job and that has to be paid back first yeah uh, no they they don't they can't pay it back first so they wouldn't have the money no I mean they, they, they're not they, well no I mean there was a, there was an interview with a guy who had to go back to Senegal because he was laid off he had paid yeah. the agent he's completely yeah. broke back in Senegal but still owes yeah. the agent three grand yeah uh, yeah yeah you could be right there Neil you could be right but um there's a, there's a, there's not an awful lot of those kind of conditions out there. Usually they want usually if a guy is there, they'll want to hang on to him. The last thing they want to do is to send a guy back the same way again, and cause all kinds of arguments and you know issues regarding fares and who should pay and whatever you know. Um, you said with you, regards to those that take their own lives that if another worker comes upon comes upon it, what what do they have to do? Well, you have if, if 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 someone falls off a scaffold or something like that, you have to get the ambulance for them, and you have to get the people over and try to see what the condition is, and and uh, you know whatever you have to do. We've got first aid guys on site, um, and you you do the same as you do for anybody. It's, you, know, you said if you come across a suicide, you have to deal with it yourself. You have to figure well, out if know. they fell or if they might have been pushed. Uh, yes. Well, well, that's the same in any case. You know, if somebody falls off a height, you know, there's an inquiry. And um, you'll have to see what happened. How the guy fell off? How was he? How was he that day? Was he good? Was he okay? Was he was he normal? Was he down and out? 
that's a standard that's a, they're standard questions that you ask if somebody fair enough what about the you know? rates of pay I, the rates of pay you'd be surprised actually uh, with the rates of pay I interviewed a couple of guys up in uh, up in Kuwait uh, for work down in Saudi Arabia and they turned their nose up at the money. They said that they could make more money in Kuwait or if they didn't want to stay in Kuwait, they could go back to India and they'd make more money there. Yeah, but like what kind of money in, in, in terms of, you know, well, euro, about, for instance? Uh, well, the guys I spoke with were getting around three and a half, four grand a month. Dollars. Indian guys. So sending that back to India to family yeah. would be a significant yeah. amount of money no, or something? That, that's the most important but thing. But what about Qatar, them. though? I heard that there are two rates of pay, one for white people and one for non-white people. Well, the, the way the rates are broken up, they're broken up within the regions. I mean, you have, uh, you'd have, we say, Western guys, Eastern guys, and it's all broken up. All the, all the agents have the money, have the, uh, have the money uh, broken up in the regions. But just back to that figure of six and a half thousand who died, it wasn't just stadiums. They also yeah. died building hotels and they weren't all people yeah. who fell from high buildings. A lot of it had to do with um, uh, cause of death was heart attacks, respiratory yeah. failure from the heat. Well, well we, that's what I said, you know, there's welfare officers on all the sites and there's, you know, water stations, there's heat, there's um, shaded stations with water, mm. cooled water, ice water. Um, you get some guys there, they, they, they don't really understand. They'd still go too long in, in the heat and they'd collapse and they'd be taken away and they'd be brought into a cool area, an air-conditioned area. They'd get some water, they'd leave them there, they'd take care of them. They'd find out with the RA. He, might, he mightn't be able to go back to work that day. He might come in the next day, you know? But, but have you ever heard in all of your years a figure like 6,500 no, migrant workers chance. dying? No, 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 not a chance. No, it wouldn't happen if 6,500... There'd be something seriously wrong if six and a half thousand people died on a job. But do you believe the figure? No, I wouldn't believe that figure at all. Six and a half thousand people, no, I wouldn't believe it. Well, I, I fact-checked the text, and, it, and according to the, the Guardian, in an article uh, from the Guardian newspaper, six and a half thousand migrant workers from India, and this was up to February of 2021, so God knows what it's been since February 21. Wow. Six and a half thousand migrant workers died in Qatar since they won the rights to host the World Cup Deaths um, were catalog- catalogued as uh, infrastructure project deaths, multiple yeah. blunt injuries due to fall from a height, asphyxia due to hanging, un- undetermined causes of death due to de- uh, decomposition, acute heart or respiratory failure. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, all of those. They're all. They're all potentials. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like the most, the most deaths that I ever heard on a job, and they'd be big jobs. No, you know, big, massive infrastructural jobs. There was something like in the region of nine people died. And that was over the course of about four or five years. Six and a half thousand since they got the rights Six, to host yeah. the World Cup is insane. Well, yeah. I mean, it tells yeah. you a lot. In fairness, like, what, what are your thoughts then on the human rights records, whether it's women, whether it's uh, gay people, um, you know, whether it's all of the conditions well, that you have to live under in, in, in the likes of Qatar? Well, I tell you, where I go in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain, they treat everybody the same. And I, I tell you, and that's a fact. So in Qatar, I've never walked in Qatar, but um, I've, I've walked in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia for a good few years, and everybody's treated the same. And they, you know, they might travel to Bahrain for the weekend themselves to meet up with all their buddies and play cricket. 
Um, but I've never heard uh, six and a half thousand is a crazy number. Well, that's that's the statistic, and we do know yeah. of countries like that, not just Qatar, but also. Uh, we hear an awful lot of other people and, you know, a lot of people like to go to uh, fairly swanky uh, Middle Eastern towns and cities uh, on holidays and weekend breaks to go shopping. Dubai yeah. is a good example of it. Yeah. But yeah, yet yeah, the yeah. underbelly yeah. of Dubai, Dubai is very, very suspicious in the way they treat people, but particularly migrant look, workers. Yeah, they do that. They're going to take advantage. These guys, these, guys come, these guys come over to the Middle East. They want to get a job. Um, they want to send back money to their families. They want to educate their families. You know, they're going to work in those conditions. If they, you know, just to keep things going at home, it, it's 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 just the way it is. That's, yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. You know. And, I mean, and the last, yeah, go on. The last, the last. Um, uh, I know I won't say anything. No, continue. Go okay. Ahead. What, what 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 is it that you do? You 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 describe yourself as a, as a mercenary. You go to countries where the work is. Is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you go there, and that's it. You get your money, and that's it. You go home to your family, and then you take your time off, and you come back out, and you do the same thing again. Oh, and is it all construction? It's all construction. Yeah, all kinds of construction, pipelines, mines, um, infrastructure, uh, train, train lines, train infrastructure. It's everything. Yeah, it's a it's a it's booming out in the out in the uh, out in the uh, Middle East. I can't imagine why though, because oil wouldn't be as no, they're, they're moving away. The Arab countries get out of oil, aren't they? They're mo- they are. They're moving away from oil. They're going to gas now. Um, they've got gas. They have gold. The gold mines. They just finished up their big gold mine job. They've got silver. Um, they've got phosphate. Phosphate is right there on the ground. All they have to go do is just scrape it up and send it off in the train down to, uh, to guess, uh, put into um, manufacture of sulfuric acid and stuff like Incredible that. Incredible wealth, isn't there? Yet so yeah, much poverty. Are, yeah, it's right there in front of them. Like they're walking on top of this thing every day, and it's like, you know, it's unbelievable. Do you think unbelievable. that it was? A, do you have an opinion on whether or not the World Cup should ever have been given to Qatar? Well, I found it. Well, I watched a few ads there uh, last week, and I uh, set Blatter, and the, and this guy was up on the stage, and he threw money at him. So that tells you like what's going on. Out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's after being bought, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So your so, your next job will be where? Have you planned it I yet? I don't know. I might. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be left. I don't know if I'd be left. Oh. The war office might let me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. You have, to, you have to answer to a higher power. I ha- I do, yeah. Whether you like it or not, yeah. That's all right. Really cool, you okay, know? my man. Listen, appreciate you taking the call. Mind yourself whatever you get up to, all right? All right, take care. Take thanks. care. Cheers, Michael. Right. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Just want people to be on alert. So I want to frighten people. Just want to make them aware. And I was telling you the story of the Kinsale pensioner who was nearly conned out of four and a half grand uh, by two characters who called to the door. And, you know, he believed that he, he owed the money. He just believed it. And he actually went down in his mobility scooter to the credit union to get the money out uh, and they followed him in the van and circled round the credit union when he went in to get the money. In fact, the Gardaí are issuing warnings uh, that um, there will be more burglaries over the winter. Darker nights, so between 5 o'clock and 11 o'clock, that's when most break-ins happen, apparently. The front door is the most common route for burglars. Uh, literally, uh, they just literally push the door in. Besides all of that, though, there's also the con men. These are, these are also burglars, if you like, but a different type of burglar. So the burglar goes in to rob you and take everything that you have. 
and they're not interested in televisions now or any of that kind of nonsense or any more laptops or stuff like that. But they're saying that there's been also an increase in bogus tradesmen calling to people and an increase in con men calling to check, say, for instance, the security of your house. Just a couple of um, uh, just a couple of examples. I want to pick up on that, though, with Paul Byrne, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media, because the Gardaí are telling him that people need to be more alert, particularly the elderly. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. More so than ever now with, say, extra payments, say, for instance, who are getting double pensions or double children's allowance or, you know, you know, all sorts of different payments to help them across the winter, right? Pick up on that. Yeah, I mean, you'll always have fellas hanging around banks, uh, shopping centres and post offices, keeping an eye on people who are collecting pensions or, you know, who are drawing money from an ATM machine. These are guys who are seasoned criminals and they operate in a way where at times what they do is they'll actually hire a car. They'll go to a rental company, they'll hire a car, two, three, maybe four of them will head off in the, the hired car. Now, because at times they're known to the guards, the reason they're hiring the car is if they're stopped, everything is legitimate. They have a, a legitimate car under their backside, really, because if they had stolen the car and they're caught, well, obviously they'd be pulled in. But wouldn't it be so suspicious to the guards that known criminals would have a hard car? Would they ask <clears> them why? Yeah, yes, but sometimes uh, they travel out of the city to places where they may not be known uh, as such. We'll say for Agnes, they from Cork might travel up as far as parts of Limerick or down to, to, to Waterford, uh, out of their own um, hunting ground, as it, were, uh, as it were. And what they do is they will often park outside a post office on the day a pension has been collected. And they could do this for maybe three, four, five, six weeks. And they'll watch who's going in on the day of the pension. And they'll say, they'll spot Neil Prendival going in. They'll spot elderly people in particular. They're looking out for a man or a woman going in. But what they're really looking for is a couple who go in because there's a, a double bonus straight away for these guys. And what they do is they watch to see if John and Nora call to this post office every Friday, for argument's sake. They then follow them to see if they've lodged the money, do they hand over the money to any of the members of their family. They watch their movements. They also then, uh, again, I, I don't want to try and frighten people, but this is the reality. They'll follow them home and they'll keep an eye on, on the house and they'll see if John and Nora go to Mass on a Saturday evening or do they go to Mass on a Sunday. So if they haven't deposited the money for say four or five, six weeks in a bank or in the, you know, hand it over, they know that there's quite a substantial amount of pension money in the house. And when these people go out to mass, they'll go in and burgle, burgle the house. You mean they'd watch them and they'd case them for that length of time, weeks sometimes? Basically, I mean, it was described to me like a, a, a line, you know, just lying there waiting for, uh, to strike and it's prey and that these people are gone. So they go in and they, they, they would hide in the bushes across the road. They might leave one fellow on the lookout and uh, call back later in the day because they might go, the other three might travel to another post office. And they're not interested in televisions or laptops or equipment Absolutely like that, so they're not? They're, they're, they're too bulky. They're too bulky. There was a time when fellas were going, uh, robbing TVs and laptops and DVD players. That's gone. All it is now, it's cash and gold. That's End all they story. want, cash and jewellery, is it? Yeah. Cash and jewellery. Uh, I mean, I remember a man I spoke to him, interviewed him. He, 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 uh, he actually went to Mass and he came home. His house has been done over. Uh, they got away with a substantial amount of jewellery. And he said he felt as if there was rats crawling around his house while he was outside. It, like, he was just 
horrified that these people could come in and do such a thing. But it's 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 happening day and night. You know, it's absolutely frightening. And in particular now up to Christmas, Neil, because people will be getting double pensions and double allowances. So, you know, these guys are watching every move they yeah, make. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the best bet really, I think, is if, <clears throat> if somebody is collecting a pension, maybe their son or their daughter or a nephew or a niece can go along with them. Or sometimes you could ask someone to be a signature on the pension you draw on their behalf. Because these guys don't really want to follow anybody who's young and uh, active. They're looking for the frail and the vulnerable. And they're, they're the easy targets. So, again, so we, we'll never get away from the days, will we, where people actually go anywhere to collect physical cash. You know, I'm talking about moving towards bank transfers where there's no physical presence at a post office or a credit union. For well, it, look, Neil, it should be happening that way. But unfortunately, it's not. And also, we have a situation where some people don't have bank accounts and they just store the money still to this day under their mattress yeah, at home. I know. In I rural know. Ireland, unfortunately, a lot of that is happening. And I suppose, look here, on our very own doorstep in the city centre as well, you know what I mean, and in housing estates, there's the elderly who've, who've just come up that way and never had a bank account or a post office account and just take the money home and put it in a jam jar or, you know, um, under the under the mattress. Because it's the work. way they always did things. They're I mean, this was, this. The, the, I think maybe your conversation was prompted by yesterday morning, I was telling the story of the 85-year-old woman who walked from Wellington Road from her house down to St. Luke's post office and got mm. mugged on her way back up the road. Yeah, look, you, you're going to have these fellas who are, I mean, again, no, this, I'm not going to talk about that because it's before the course, but you'll have people hanging around post offices who might be, you know, strung out and they're waiting to get money to get a fix. But the guys, and that's, that's going to happen all the time. That will continue to happen. These are opportunistic fellas, you know, they're, they're waiting around to grab somebody or even in town grab an elderly person's handbag just so they can get money and go off and get a, so a score, some heroin. But You're talking about the more elaborate planned crimes. The, yeah. I mean, the seasoned criminals who are just out there, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They're sophisticated. Um, thankfully, the guards, nine times out of ten, nab these guys. Um, I mean, I'll give you an example of a story, um, <clears throat> a situation a couple of years ago. The guards stopped a, a car. There was four heads on board, well known to the guards. Uh, there was nothing. The guards searched the car. Absolutely nothing. And they said to themselves, these guys haven't been out all night for the good of their health. This yeah. is about four or five in yeah. the morning. And they said, they're, <clears throat> they've been travelling. Where have they come from? They must have done a few jobs. There was no balaclavas. There was no screwdrivers or anything in the car. You know, these are their tools. Well, one of the detectives uh, pulls the, um, the cloth in the, the roof of the car and the, the, the cloth gave way. They pulled down the, the ceiling and there was 30 grand's worth of jewellery inside in the, the lining of the roof. Oh, my God. Just the guard yeah. knew that this didn't look oh, right he and he, he definitely... Said, yeah. these, guys, these guys have something. we got to get to the bottom of it. Uh, they searched the car top to bottom. Then all of a sudden, he said, let's have a look at the lining in the car. And they pulled it. There was 30 grand. So they were out after being out all night long. And obviously, when these people... And, and nine times out of ten, Neil, these guys break into houses throughout the night people are in bed fast asleep they're crawling around the bedrooms they're just you know it's incredible they go around like mice you wouldn't even hear these guys they, there could be a pants at the end of the bed fellas will put their hands into this person's pocket or into the handbag at the end of the bed and take out a wad of cash or take the keys of the car and like <clears throat> there's also another one you know that this fishing whereas 
people leave the keys on the table just inside the hall of the car or they leave the keys of the car on a, t- a table inside the hall. These guys will put a fishing rod through the letterbox They'll hook the keys, take it out, and off in the car they go as well. You see, I'm very you know, cognizant and very aware of not wanting to frighten people, you know, and particularly if they're getting know, on in life. People, say, we, people are listening and they're saying you're frightening the shite out of people this morning, but that's the reality of it, Neil, and people just have to try. I mean, yesterday the figures came out from the guards and you were mentioning it there. There's been a 15% increase in the number of bogus callers. People have to be aware. And the guards will tell you, if, if somebody calls to the door posing as a guard posing from somebody from, you know, this utility facility or that, don't be afraid to ask for identification. Do not. And they said, like, if somebody is genuine, they will hand you the identification. They will stand around. And if you're not happy, ring the guards to say, look, we to come up here and have a chat. And if that guy is legit, he'll stand his ground. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, if the guys are not legit, they'll run a mile. Like if you were so, to say, I'm going to call, like, yeah, I'm going to call the company and ask them, are you who you are? In fact, I heard a Garda representative saying yesterday that if somebody calls to somebody's home and pretends to be, say, a Garda or a plainclothes Garda, yeah. and you're not sure, just say, I'm going to call your station and check. And he said that if it's a legitimate Garda, he'll have no problem waiting while you call the station to check. Of course. No, you know, what has he got to hide? And, you know, there, there, there are guys going around all the time, posing as guards, coming in and saying to Mrs. Murphy, look, there's been a few, bre- this is one another way they operate, there's been a few break-ins in the area, we're checking to see if you have any uh, cash in the house, could you show us where you store your cash? We're checking for counterfeit notes, and these people are vulnerable, they're frail, they're trustworthy, and they hand over this money, and before they know it, they're out the door sometimes with a couple of hundred quid and often in cases with thousands. Yeah, there's the sad story. Thankfully, that pensioner in Kinsale didn't actually hand over the four and a half grand because a vigilant member of staff in the credit union down there knew that this didn't sit right, that he never exactly. withdraws big amounts of money. So also, you know, that's, that's important with regards to people who are being conned or duped into handing over. The banks, the post offices, the credit unions have a responsibility as well. Exactly, and I've come across cases where, in fairness, guys have been brought before the courts because elderly people went to draw money out for bogus operators and the bank teller or the post office teller knew that, no, look, uh, Mrs. Murphy doesn't draw that kind of money out. And they say, do you mind me asking, Mrs. Murphy, what, what, what's this for? Are you going pre-? No, I, they might say, look, no, it's nothing, it's nothing. They're, they're fearful because these guys are after putting pressure under the... the, the the money, the person withdrawing the money. But in fairness, a lot of the bank tellers and post office people and credit union officials are copping on, you know, when, when people come in and draw out a, an unusual amount of money. You know, yeah, I know, um, I know, I know. People go in on a Friday, they might draw 50 or 60 quid for some of the groceries. But if you have somebody going in looking for two and three thousand quid... It's not their normal you know, pattern of behaviour. It's not their normal. And so okay to any of the officials who'll, who'll stand up and ask questions. And you, they might give the money and they might often kind of walk out after them and take note of where they're going or who they're meeting outside, get a rage of a car that, the, you know, the person handed the money to or whatever like yeah. that. So just but, finally, my, my fear is that we don't hear often how, how bad it actually is because a lot of the time these characters aren't caught. We only hear when they're caught. So I'm assuming that the vast majority of these cases go unreported because they're never solved. Well, often it's a situation too where the person is embarrassed that they've been conned and they're afraid to report it to the guards, and they're also afraid to say it to their sons or their daughters because they'll feel humiliated that they were so stupid to allow it happen. Look, the guys who catch these people are 
for the want of a better word, intelligent conmen. They're cunning, they're crafty, they've been at it for years. Um, so don't be embarrassed to ask who you are, don't be embarrassed to report it. And when they go before the courts, I, I've seen it, I've covered the cases, the judges don't spare them, honestly. They really do lay down the, the level of the law and they do put these guys away. Uh, even if the guys come up with compensation. And you know what makes me laugh? We'll say for argument's sake, they, they, they ripped off somebody for 5,000 euro. They'll come into court and they'll hand them five grand. I often say, where did they get that five grand Yes, then? where did they get the compensation? You know I mean? True. Because they, true. Might have ripped, they might have ripped Mrs. Murphy off 12 months ago. But I believe now they're after ripping somebody else off to pay Mrs. Murphy that's off That's right, court. that's right. The proceeds you know, of crime, uh, they're paying the compensation. Exactly, with. exactly. All right, okay, you know, okay. But can I just say one thing there as well? The guards will tell you, look, these guys have to be lucky all the time. The guards only have to be lucky once. Okay. And, you yeah. know, look, all the guards are saying is, try and make it difficult for these guys to get into your house. Put an alarm in, put the... Um, you know, a lighting system in. I was talking to a chap this morning, if I can just mention him, Paul O'Hearn, I deal with him a lot in security issues when we're doing programmes, and he's day-night security. He goes around to housing estates where a neighbourhood watch might bring him in to talk to residents about how they can make their house a little bit more secure. That's a good idea. Um, You know, you go along, day-night security, Paul O'Hearn, Google him there and he'll come along and help anybody who has any problems. You know, um, okay. he, he's, a, he's a good guy. He, he'll help. Look, you, sometimes if these people want to get in, they'll get in. But the, pro- the thing is, just make it a little bit difficult. Simple steps. Try and uh, put them off from getting into your place. Okay. But again, the post offices in Christmas, people have to be extremely careful, I think, uh, drawing down their pensions. Okay. Or, you know, yeah. don't, be, don't be frightened, just be aware. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, as always. All right. Thank you, Paul. Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with uh, Virgin Media. Just to be aware, I don't want to frighten the daylights out of people. And of course, it's not the best time of the year either. Be talking about uh, being more alert with regards to con men or people who will try and get your money from you because of course we have the darker evenings now uh, and that of course is excellent for those that want to do you wrong so just to be aware he also mentions uh, security companies that do good work uh, I'm always amazed that Tony Highland at Highland Security continues uh, to help um, Paddy O'Brien and the elderly and Highland Securities continue to fit alarm systems in the homes of pensioners and elderly people free of charge and I think that's a wonderful thing anyway text 0868 talk to Neil Prenderville now 0818 just jumping in actually you can text 0868 but you talk about people and their security or the levels of security that we have they've just released you know how lax we are with regards to our security in different ways certainly the online world they've just released the most popular pass words in the UK. Now, I imagine that some of these would be very relevant to us as well, because apparently still, even in spite of all sorts of cybercrime, the most popular password that people have online for all their accounts and all that kind of stuff is the word password. I mean, that's bizarre to me that the most popularly used password in the UK and probably in Ireland is the word password. And the second one then is one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, surely be to God, people be aware that that's not the way to go about keeping yourself safe. The third one is the is the word guest, um, you know, as in guest, you know, you're a guest online or whatever the case may be. But then a lot of them then use the likes of Chelsea or Liverpool or Arsenal, the favourite football team. But the real worrying one is either password, 
one two three four five six, or another one that makes the top ten as well is ABC one two three. Because those that are really into breaking in uh, to your accounts, cyber criminals, they know all of this. Like these are the first ones they're going to put in the bleeding obvious. So I guess the thing is to have the password the least obvious that you can come up with. It. I mean, they don't say anything about people's dates of birth, but I imagine that's another one or the name of a first child or whatever the case may be. But I just pass it on for what it's worth in regards to security. The um, most popular password is the word password. We'll pick it up after 10. Pick up the phone 0818104106. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 086-8104-106. Particularly with regards to it's official now. There will be no Christmas official switch on of the lights. The lights will be turned on on a day that's chosen, but there'll be no event in the city. Uh, I don't know the real reasons why. I mean, I take it at face value that, um, you know, too many people are coming in. The city manager saying you're funneling a large number of unknown numbers of people into a very small space. I don't accept, though, that it's a very small space, nor do I accept that it couldn't happen uh, unless they just didn't plan it on time. That, uh, you know, they're left it too late to decide on whether or not to do it, whether they could get all of the different statutory bodies on board, like ambulance, paramedics, guardie. It's an awful shame, though. Uh, or who's, what's dangerous? What's dangerous about it? We've done it so many times in the past. So text on that, text 0868104106. It's a lovely story, actually, about living in Cork, making the Irish Times today. Uh, I won't go into it in much detail, but it's the story of a woman and her family, Ruchi uh, Agrawal came here from India back in 2018 and she actually came and arrived in Cork on the day of the beast from the east so she must have got a right rude awakening with regards to Cork weather then but she stayed and she loves it and she finds the people really helpful and very very friendly it's now our home for herself and her family but I love the end of the interview with her in the Irish Times where she says now we are learning the Cork accent and we're beginning to be able to comprehend what people are actually saying. So, you know, four years later, she's starting to come to terms with Cork lingo, Cork accents, Cork slang, which is a lovely thing because uh, we speak English, but a particularly local variety of English. Anyway, text 0868 We'll come back to everything else throughout the course of the morning. But just on home care assistance that were formerly known as home helps, and we got a lot of response to that from yesterday's programme. I will get to more texts and emails on it uh, over the next hour or so. But I'm conscious of people who wish to get on the air without keeping them too long. And there's an interesting story from Nicola, um, who actually, because people were asking, how can you go about training and what qualifications do you need to become a home care assistant? Nicola, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Did, how are you? Good, thank you for taking the call. Did you decide to change careers later in life, was it? Yeah, yeah, I did. You could say that later in life is right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had no experience um, when I started this job at first. Um, to explain how I actually got it day one, the monitorium for hiring qualified um, home care assistants at the time had been lifted because we were dealing with the pandemic at the time. Yeah. Um, so the monitorium to be qualified had been lifted and there was an opening there for recruitment. Um, I replied to an ad that was being advertised through Facebook and I contacted a recruitment agency and did my interview process with them. And because I had no previous experience, obviously I had to do an induction and to do initial 
um, manual handling and safety Course. courses and yeah. um, child protection course and stuff like that, which was all part of the job. And you did all of that and, and had, it was at FETAC level five, is it? That's correct, yes. Okay. So okay. prior to us coming out into the homes of people, we are all guarded vetted. Yeah. So that's, they're the first three steps. Yeah. You do your manual handling, you do your um, child protection and you do a guarded vetting. So they're the first two or three. Why were you attracted to it? Um, I actually had the, I was very fortunate that I was actually vaccinated very early. Um, the business that I was working in at the time, obviously they had bottomed out because of the pandemic. I was involved in event management. Oh, All that completely closed. Yeah. 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 So we, I was in a situation where, um, both were home on, um, the PUP payment basically. And I had been vaccinated and. I just kind of said I've, I've got to be able to work this to my advantage mm, mm, um, mm. I, I had an underlying condition and that's why I got the privilege of being vaccinated early Yeah, and to work it to my advantage so I did and um, I went and I went back and I went to training and um, I don't work directly with the HSE, I work for one of the many many home care assistance agencies in Cork I and, did hear um, though from Texter yesterday that the HSE rates of pay are better than the agencies, though. It would depend, Neil, on whether you are qualified or not. All right, OK. Like, you could go into the HSE unqualified and not trained and probably get the same rate of pay, which is just above minimum wage, put it that way. Um, but obviously, the more training you do, the more um, in-house But surely, be got HSE, home care assistants are all fully trained and vetted and have done all their courses. I don't work directly with the HSE. Okay. Yes, yeah. they would be all vetted, but there are a lot of girls in in circulation that would be working with the HSE from the times where we would be known as home health. Ah, yeah, but sure, that's that's experience on the job. That's the best kind you can get. It is, but you're not qualified. So as ah, well, they'd be qualified because they've been doing it for so long, they could do it. Oh like yeah, they have life goes. experience. Yeah. they have life yeah. experience. But yeah. when Hickwear come into play in the new year, all of us, and the reason why Hickwear coming in are to literally regulate our industry is all of the healthcare assistants need to be actively training or trained. So you need to, you need to gain your qualification. So there are a lot of who have been in it for many many years will find that they'll have to rain, train and upskill in trained. the new year. Yes. All right, well yes. that's a consequence of HICWA, yes. I suppose. I mean, you know, I'm not going to yeah. second guess their well, decision. It's, it's with for our protection as well as it is, you know, it's for the employee as well as it is for those that are using the service. But how do you find the, the job? Elderly. Do you enjoy it? The best thing I ever did. I should have done it years ago. Like it's funny because when as a child, uh, as a teenager finishing school, my parents wanted me to go nursing, and being the rebel that I am, I said no, and I went into the hotel and catering industry and did my hotel and catering training, qualified there, went on to uh, work businesses, and in went, owned my own business yeah. for a couple of years, did it to management level, top level, and came out and did a complete three sixty turn and came into the healthcare service. Okay, and do you have a set amount of clients that you visit on a weekly basis? Um, it, it varies, Neil. Um, most clients I would have, I, li- I live out in um, the north of Cork, so mine are all country, pe- country right. homes. Right, okay, isolated um, people I, in homes. Yes, is it? isolated homes. I could do anything from three to 10 calls a day. There's a big difference um, between I, three and ten, isn't there? 
There is. Yeah. yeah. And that would cover anything from Cork down to, or sorry, North Cork, all the way over as far as uh, Roaches Town. Oh, I see. So a lot of the consideration there would be the travelling between clients. Yes. Yeah. Or yes. indeed the length of time that you would have allotted. Like, is it an hour, half an hour? What? Um, most of the girls that work for the HSE would have 45 or 30 minutes slot. Right. The agencies tend to work off 30 or one hour slot. Okay. And what would you um, do? No two cases are the same, are they? Absolutely not. No. Um, it depends. You could go to um, a retired couple. You could go to uh, a widow or you could go to somebody who never married, no family, no siblings, single living on their own, all very, very different. Yeah. Um, you have to take into account anybody that is over the age of 70. You could have be dealing with stroke. You could be dealing with Parkinson's. You could be dealing with diabetes. You could uh, heart problems. You know, we've done them all. So you've all those issues. They're all the medical issues. We're not medically trained, um, but we would be aware of those conditions. But who's making um, sure that the elderly take their meds then? We don't medicate. We prompt Right. So okay. that is where your your GP would come into play. Um, the the antibiotics are there. They're there in blister packs. They're there in packs. You make sure. Aware. Yeah. We would be aware of the care plan that's involved in each client. Okay. So, and th- so then a lot of the other thing would be: would it be cooking? Would it be cleaning? Dressing? Washing? So now chatting? What, the question you're asking me is what the old mindset of what a home help does. Okay. We're not cleaners and we're not domestic cleaners. Yeah, yeah. We, we are actually, we are healthcare assistants. Right. So we are there to provide personal care to our clients, washing them, showering them, helping them mobility-wise, giving them their independence, allowing them to choose what to wear themselves, to make sure that they are clean and that, that they are washed and that they are being fed and that they take their medication. Some of our clients will require us to cook, for them on a daily basis or maybe every day for two days mm. um, and some of our clients don't. We are not cleaners. We are healthcare Who assistants. Who provides the food then that you might cook? Um, we would link in with the, the St. Vincent de Paul people and we would link in with an awful lot of um, smaller communities will have the Meals and Wheels facility yeah. and we would link in with those. Now, Meals and Wheels meal do not come free of charge. Um, for some homes, it's a contribution, and for other homes who have the position to pay for the meals and meals, it would be roughly around the five, between five and seven fifty euro per meal. Okay, but if you didn't have it or you couldn't afford it all, they wouldn't turn you away, though. No, you don't get turned away. It would be subsidised for you. Yes, okay. okay. So, and if there was, say, for instance, a hygiene issue in the house, say, for instance, an infestation or inability to clean or keep things tidy, where the place was just gone to pot... Do you alert anybody in circumstances like that? So we do have situations like that. And like bearing in mind that lady, we had some Blackpool yesterday. Yes. And the earth, and I would come across it in my areas where I am because I do work with remote homes and families. Um, the St. Vincent de Paul are fantastic. They will come and they will um, assess with you and with the, um, obviously, the okay of the person living in the home they will provide what's needed. If you need a new mattress, if you need new quilts, if you need new um, kitchen table and chairs, then they are there to help But that's you, a charity. You know. What about the public sector, um, public health nurse, the HSE? Do they intervene in situations like this? Often not. Yeah, okay. So no. it's down to volunteers and yeah. 
NGOs and charities yes. to the heavy yes. lifting. Yes. Yeah. They 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 would be our first port of call. Um, unfortunately, the way the system works, the public health nurse is the first person to you contact if you do need to get care for a loved one or a family member. Um, the public health nurse system, as Paddy O'Brien said to you yesterday, is swamped. We don't have enough of them. They they don't just deal with the elderly. They also deal with the newborns and new families and refugee families. Well, I know they are swamped, yeah, but yesterday on the programme alone we had three elderly people and their cases were detailed on air where they're living in horrific conditions and if it wasn't for some of the neighbours showing an interest, they would die. One woman would be dead by the end of the week if there wasn't an intervention yesterday. And unfortunately that is what we cross and we cross that way too often. Um... In that situation, most of the healthcare assistants in, in Cork would have um, a senior team leader who would have direct contact to the public health nurses and to the yeah. GP services. Okay. Um, okay. Because of the locality and because of the length of time we've spent in, the, in, our, in our homes, we are more often than not will know who the GP is and know who the PHN for that area is and the district. And um, do you have any thought then on the uh, calls that we had yesterday from people who were saying that families and re- relations and sons and daughters need to get more involved in the care of their parents? I, I personally, Neil, believe that it's a circle of life. Like we, yes, as Paddy said yesterday, we got the greatest gift of, of all to being born. But we, as adults, are probably unaware of the sacrifices our parents made for us growing up. So it's now your turn to make sacrifices for them. And I would be of the, the thoughts that it is a circle of life. And no matter how small the contribution you think you're making to your parents' home or the family home, even going to see that they're alive will make a difference. Yeah. Some families, you know, I know everybody has a busy lifestyle, particularly nowadays, and everyone has young families to wear and have their own mortgages and they have to, you know, go to work and what have you. But that's five minutes a day, you know, five minutes every second day, just come into the window. You know, if you don't want to come into the house, if you're going to be that ignorant to the situation in the house, bring a dinner. You know, mm. like, uh, way too often enough, we would end up feeding our clients from our own kitchen table. God. You know, because that's the way that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. I've gone to you have to love the job, don't you? you have to love what you do. You have to have it, and that's it's funny. It it either, it clicks with you or it doesn't. Yeah, does it sadden you, know, you when they pass away, though? Oh, unbelievable! <laughs> you you they become part of your family. You know, you're so familiar with them. They're so familiar with you. They don't miss your birthday. They, you know, you get the small things. You, they're, they become part of your life. Yeah, but one of the cases yesterday family. spoke about many home care assistants who were trying to help a particular woman and the, the allegation is that they won't go to her anymore now because she's cranky and she's angry and she's refusing to eat particular types of food and things like that. Yeah. Do you have a good day every day? No, I mean, I admitted yesterday we can all be cranky, without a doubt. And if you're getting old and the body's failing you, you're probably entitled to be cranky. Yeah, and that transition is terribly, terribly difficult for the elderly to accept that. You know, losing your car, being told you can't drive anymore, losing your sight, you know, having pains where you didn't have pains before you know, not being able to eat what you used to be able to eat. Those transitions are terribly, terribly traumatic mm-hmm. for some elderly mm-hmm. people. And losing the ability to drive and to be able to go out your front door and do it whatever way you wanted to do it, to find all of a sudden that you're no longer in control of your life. 
it's very, very difficult. That transition is very difficult. Okay, people um, need patience. It is. Yeah. You need patience and you need empathy right. for this job. 100%, I agree. Well 100%. done, well done, well done. You know, it's difficult. But I tell you, Neil, I'm, I'm pushing on myself. My family are reared. Um, my two children are reared. I graduate next week after completing my diploma in a never my wildest dreams would I ever think I after, after becoming a mum and having two kids I have a 20 year old and a 24 year old that I would get the opportunity to put on a graduation group so you know that'll be nice it's amazing <laughs> it'll be great it'll be great Good it's hard work but it's a very rewarding job Neil yeah. Um, yeah you know and unfortunately the circle of life ends for some more earlier than what you had anticipated but you know you push through it and you get on and your job is there to be the advocate for the elderly. Well and done. So continue. Absolutely, you are. Many more like you. So continued success with your chosen path. Congratulations on graduation. And you'll have the Thank gown you. on one of these days soon and a great yeah, sense of great. achievement. Well done, Nicola. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks, Neil. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, I know we, we now use terms like healthcare assistance or indeed home care assistance. But years ago, because I've been doing this program for so long, I can remember the early 90s. And, you know, I'm critical, critical of politicians at the best of time. But I do recall when Kathleen Lynch was a local councillor and then went on to become a TD and, and a junior minister. And I know... We've had the argy-bargy over the years, but I've always given her credit for the fact that she was the first voice, actually, to be absolutely 100% honest. She was the first voice that I remember hearing talking about um, the work that was being done in the early 90s when you know, those that did it were called home helps. And I'm open to correction here, but I recall conversations where the rate of pay was £2 an hour two pounds an hour and I believe that that was just to kind of cover a contribution towards petrol so you can see the dedication of those that do it and did it back then for that kind of tiny insignificant amount of money as if their job in itself was insignificant but she pushed and she pushed and she pushed and of course we have a much better system now it still needs a lot of work for sure back after the break Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Text from a home care system. 23 years in the job for the HSC. Just responding to my chat with Nicholas. She says all HSC home care assistants now have a level of five certification. And also, um, I'm wondering what the gender balance is now with home care assistants. Because I know that there are male home care assistants as well, as informally known as, as home helps. But I wonder how many by comparison to... How many women? Unfortunately, here's an email. Unfortunately, the first thing I have to say um, is don't give up my details, not only for me, but for others. 17 years ago, somebody told me about home help jobs. I'd never heard of them before or even heard of the term. I was 40 at the time, raised three children of my own after an abusive marriage, got an annulment and happily remarried since. Uh, I'm only saying this because home help was considered a lowly job. In fact, my family were upset, saying it was housework. I always wondered what was so wrong with housework. I've had years of working as a home help, forged friendships with both the living and the dead, years of talk, history, and of course, they're not too pleasant either. I, as a lover of history, learned more from my friends. It wasn't all pretty, but I felt for your caller today, one in particular, I suppose the caller you references is the, is the daughter who won't visit her father because he was an abusive dad and husband. The best advice I got from an amazing HSE coordinator was don't judge. We don't know what went on before. Sorry, it's long winded, but my whole point, which I probably could have put in two sentences, is that I left the job I loved because I couldn't be part of what it has become. I waited until all my people were gone. 
No care, no compassion anymore. Definitely some carers are doing their best, but management, let me put it this way, leaves a lot to be desired. They're an absolute disgrace. So glad I finally said it. Kind regards, says S. And one other quick one. I was listening to your show yesterday. I heard you speak about a poor elderly lady in Blackpool. My heart went out to her. I work as a community welfare officer. And since our job went online, not quite sure what that means. Since our job went online, it's elderly people like this lady that are falling through the cracks. The government just don't get it. Not everyone is online. And it's those who haven't embraced the online world who were forgotten about. When my role was community-based, I knew everyone. I knew the public health nurse, the community guard. I know those. I knew those who were in the most dire need of help. Now this role has tied me to a desk, and it's just not me. Hope you get to read this out. So that's a community welfare officer who is desk-bound in this online world we live in and is out of contact now with the community, whether it's the public health nurse, the community guard, or indeed the elderly themselves. So keep those emails and texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. And back to the phone lines we go. Bridget, good morning. Good morning. Lovely chatting with you because I spoke to your daughter, Breedy, yesterday. And she said that you work in the home care industry, but you were out with clients yesterday morning. Isn't that right? That's right. Okay. So thank you for taking the call. Have you been doing it long? 25 years. Has it changed? Immensely. How? And not for the better. Okay. Talk to me how. Um, it's just all personal care now. There's no home help in the house at all. So we're to bath or shower the client, dress the client, tidy their bedroom and bathroom, um, change the bedclothes once a week, unless soiled. Um, just make them comfortable. You can make them tea or cereal and uh, toast. You can eat dinners, but there's a lot of things we're not allowed to do. What anymore. are you told that you can no longer do, Bridget? Uh, very simple. No shopping, uh, no collecting of prescriptions from the chemist, no pensions, no handling of money at all. Um, no antigen tests, no medical, no medication in liquid tablets or um, cream form, unless the cream is specified by the public health nurse. Right, okay. Um, okay. No cooking for clients, you can heat food in a microwave, no house cleaning such as hoovering, washing floors, windows or ironing, no walking with clients, no keys to be given to any carer, no driving of clients in your car, no lighting of fires where there is another system of heating in place. Um, there is no continuity of care anymore. Um, your clients cannot be your friends, and this system is differs hugely from the farm. But, the, but, but the, oh, from what you you started out doing, but there, there's no documentation anywhere saying the clients aren't your friends. That, that's not a rule, is it? Well, we are advised by our coordinators that our clients are not to become our friends under any circumstances. But the way the roster is working, they cannot be really because you may not be there only now and again. You see, you don't have individual clients anymore. We used to always have our yeah, own clients. Yeah, yeah. That's a bad thing, isn't it? It is. Because if you are dealing with somebody, especially people who may be in bed most of the time, and you go in and you want to get your work done 45 minutes normally in the morning, um, a half an hour, midday or evening, if you have those calls, 
you need to know where their underwear, I know. their towels, I know. all this kind of thing is. I know. Now, if you're only going in for the first time, you don't know where they are. Some of these older people don't know where they are themselves. Yeah, it just makes uh, makes no sense to me, even on what you're just saying there, knowing where everything is, getting into routine. Uh, do you have enough time with people? Well, we, with this new roster system, we don't, because like I'm saying, you're not familiar. Um, previously, yes, you would have enough time. Well, when you'd get familiar with a place, you'll just uh, run around and do your bits and pieces and that's it. But if you're not familiar, you can't do that. A lot of time wasting. It sounds as if it's been made very impersonal and not of your making. It is. Absolutely. Because I would think that somebody that you're visiting would like to see you on a regular basis because they've built up a relationship with you and there's nothing wrong with being somebody's friend if you're visiting them once or twice or whatever a week. That's right. But you see, the coordinators don't want that anymore. They want to create a system that's cold and impersonal then. Correct. And if somebody is going on holidays, there's no guarantee that they will have anybody instead of you. And the family or the next of kin that, that the coordinators contact, they may not even be contacted. And in, yeah, so what do, what do you do then? You, you can't go on holidays or take a break unless you get somebody else to cover for you, is it? Oh, yes. I mean, they're telling us we have to take our holidays. And we'll just say, if I was off next week, there's no guarantee that the clients that I would go to would have anybody. But some of them... Some of them will be contacted, more of them don't. So there's no set procedure in the office at all. So how come the HSE are so efficient in making it a very cold and impersonal service, but totally inefficient then when it comes to things like your holidays or time off? But you see, this is probably a daily chore, making the rules. They only have one meeting, that's it. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's the way I see it. So if somebody, for instance... I'm just picking up on one point, no lighting of a fire. What if the in the winter, the only thing they have for heat in a room that they live in is a fire? Would you light it then? Well, the way it's worded with them is, and I'll read it out now, no lighting of fires where there is another system of heating in place. You can turn, so, you're allowed to turn that on though, are you? Uh, yeah, but who would be there to turn it off maybe if it gets too hot? If they, because not all of them have these clocks, you see. Do you worry then when you're not there? Oh, yes. Because, I mean, the people that that I was familiar with, other girls are going to them. Now, most of the girls are really very good. But sometimes then they bring in agencies, and we don't know the agencies at all. And the agencies don't know the clients that they're going to. And when, and when you can't do the things that you used to be able to do, quite lengthy list that you just read out there a couple of seconds ago, uh, how do the elderly people feel when you can't do these things anymore? Oh, I mean, they're looking at us crazy, like as if we're just not working properly anymore. I think you used the point that they take it personally, thinking that you're above your station or something. You used to do this, why don't you do it anymore? Well, you see, they could think that because, um, because, um, you used to do it. Yeah. Because it was something that, yeah, yeah. And if you noticed that something was amiss, for instance, um, would you alert your supervisors or your boss that, listen, they're living in, 
you know, I call and I do what I'm only allowed to do, but they need an awful lot more help. Yeah, but a lot of the time that falls on deaf ears, um, you do what's written on the care plan, that's their answer to a lot of things, and that's you sorted. There's a lot of box ticking going on then, isn't there? There is. Um, you contact the family if you want to, and let the family do what, whatever is needed. Yeah, but there's a text here I read out an email a while ago from a girl who was at it for years, um, and she, she loved it, but she says there is now no care, no compassion, Carers are doing their best. Management are a disgrace. I left and I'm glad that I did. Do you ever consider that? Yes. I'm at retiring age, so, yeah, I will be going, yeah. But when you leave, do you think that you'll be worried that you'll be leaving the system in a worse place than it was when you started? Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's, That's sad, isn't it, that the world is becoming more and more automated Rules and regulations, the compassion and cop on and human kindness has been taken out of the equation. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And when we're not allowed to have keys, it's a huge drawback. How do you get in? Yeah. Now, but how do, do you mean you don't have a key of the door? No, no, we're not to have keys anymore. So how does an elderly person let you in if they can't move? Um, the HSC are recommending what's called a keypad outside your door and you use that but I mean an awful lot of families are not agreeing with that at all for security reasons of course so have there been been times when you haven't been able to get into a house that can happen yeah you knock on the window you, you knock on the door you do all these things but some of these people are not able to get out of the bed and unless a family member has the door left unlocked for you, you may not be able to get in. Um, but so that's, an, that's door, a real danger, leaving doors unlocked in rural areas is, particularly. It is. I went to a gentleman the other evening and his door was unlocked for God only knows how long because he was expecting me to come. And I spent years telling him, keep your door locked. Anybody could walk through the door. Somebody could be casing yeah. the joint. You could have characters going around rural areas spotting houses that look vulnerable and they see... You're walking in yes. without a key. And as well as that, when you knock on the door, they don't know who's outside. Oh, for God's They're only sake. assuming that it's you. And what's the problem with you having a key to your client's house? I don't know. They're just not allowing it. That they is so bizarre. For this, that and the other. So much of that is bizarre and wrong. It makes no sense to me. Very wrong. I so, always had keys. So you have somebody that your, your role would be to help to get them up washed and comfortable but you can't get in the door correct there was one lady the other morning um, it didn't happen to me now it happened to one of my colleagues when she knocked on the door for a length of time she eventually opened the door she was in her nightwear it was morning time and she said um, it's too early for me to get up one away I'm going back to bed and she closed the door and that was the end of it yeah I mean People have spoken about some people being being cranky. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, they can be, especially if they don't know you. When you're familiar, you see, you can come around them. You know what to say and you know when to say something. Yeah, and and, and years of work has given you that experience, like? Exactly. I discovered with one lady that if you walk in and she's in bed and if you say to her, come on now and have your shower, she will say, no, no, 
no, I'll have it myself later on, let you go away. But if you come around it another way, and if you say to her, my God, are you still in bed this hour of the day? <laughs> she'll jump back in and say, well, I must have my shower. And that's the end of it. <laughs> so there is a way of coming around them, and you discover that as you go along with familiarity. I they know. don't want the familiarity now. I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Well done, well done. We'll leave it on yeah. that happy point, Bridget. Thanks for taking the call. <laughs> Thank you very much. Lovely chatting with you and to your daughter, uh, Breda, yesterday. Thank you, Bridget. Take care and happy retirement when you eventually do retire. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed. You got a text in yesterday from a good pal of the program. It's a good pal of mine, Tom McCarthy, out in New York City. He's got the Long Acre Tavern and Smithfield Hall, the big sports barn food and restaurants and all sorts of things. He's flying there and he said to me, if you think of it, would you please wish um, Kay Corcoran a happy 80th birthday for today? Now, Kay is Tom's wife's mother. So, Tom's mother-in-law. So, happy birthday today for the day that's in it, Kay. Uh, from Tom and from Viv, your daughter, and indeed from Lauren and Gavin as well. Not sure what you've planned today, but I hope you have a great birthday. Uh, so, happy birthday to you from all of the family in New York City. Have a great day today, Kay. Happy birthday. Uh, Morning, guys. My story goes back to 2020 when the pandemic began and we were isolating. A family near me had no means of getting family members help, so I was contacted to know if we could help out with shopping, getting prescriptions, etc. We happily did so. A lot happened in the first four months and we had to go above and beyond the call of duty, but we did our best. As things relaxed, family could again step in, but to this day, to this day, they have never been in touch with us. I can't talk on air as the family member is well known in the Cork area, but we felt very much used and abused. Um, I think that's, you know, I think what you're saying is they never reached out and said thank you and appreciate your help, which is, again, something that should happen. People should be, you know, uh, appreciative when somebody goes above and beyond the call of duty. Uh, Just listening about carers being needed more, my mother had to go to a nursing home as their home wasn't equipped for a hoist and special equipment was needed. I feel after seven years in the home that while she does get great care, she has more or less now become institutionalised. It's very sad to see. If we had been able to get the council adaptation grant, grant, my mother could have stayed at home. My sister died during COVID and my mother had to grieve all alone. It's had an awful impact on her mental health. So I 100% agree that more home care assistance are needed. It's just another side of the HSC that's letting people down, you see. Can't come on air. It's not something I could talk about without getting upset. All too often, you sadly do hear of people who go into, um, you know, uh, how home care is taken away or... They can't get around the house or the house can't be adopted and they might go into a nursing home or somewhere like that. And they do go downhill and they do just end up sitting all day uh, and mentally and physically just wasting away. I don't say that any any anyway lightly. I, I do believe that unfortunately that can happen. You know, you can go in and with, within the space of a few weeks, you could walk in there, but you could be in a few weeks and not be able to walk anymore because there's no exercise, literally just sitting around all day. So keep those coming. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 Can I just turn to something that I mentioned earlier on this morning? Because we knew that this probably was going to happen, but we got the news officially at uh, Council, uh, I guess on Monday night, where the city manager said there will be a switch on of the Christmas lights but it won't be 
uh, a prearranged family night in the city. Her words, not mine. She said it was just too dangerous. Um, I don't know whether or not council itself actually gets to vote on these things or whether it's a call that's made by the chief executive. Uh, But I do know from an article in The Echo that one of the councillors, Ken Collins, uh, said that this is just not good enough because families and children look forward to an official switch on where everybody goes into town and is there for part of the festivities. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. What, what do you think the re- I was trying to give different reasons as to why this decision was made, but what do you think the reason is? When she says too dangerous, what, what's that mean? I, I actually can't get my head around it because, you know, Christmas comes every year. Um, there was a, she cited, Stacey cited that it was a COVID and it could be a risk. Now, I, I, I wonder was the risk assessment done and who did the risk assessment and maybe we can get a copy of that. The other thing is... No, but I, I didn't see anything about COVID. Is it a COVID risk? Yeah, COVID was... But where to, was the COVID yeah. risk for the rugby matches down in Parky Cueve, for instance? I was just about to say that. So you had the Guinness Jazz Festival, the rugby, the rugby with um, once the rugby into GA. You have the Lord Mayor's Christmas the Gala Christmas concert happening shortly as well, you know, which is indoors and this event is outdoors. I, I just think, did someone forget? You know, to, because obviously there's a process, they have to apply, they have to put it out into the, the notice to the, the, the public to say that this event is happening. Um, it's just very disappointing, the fact that Christmas Christmas is very special to people, especially children, you know, um, and the switching on the lights is an event that everybody enjoys. You know, as a child, I remember going down Shannon Street. I went into North Main Street there looking at the, the old tints and lights and bright lights up in the North Main Street. That's you know, right. you, yeah. You yeah. go into Bennett's and you go into the old Duns and you'd be looking at the toys and Kilgroves like, oh, but, you know, they're the switching on to the lights. It's a free event. Um, and I don't know where it's coming from or... Well, is it is it a cost? Is it uh, not being able to get paramedics ambulance? Is it that they, they wouldn't be able to get, I mean, guards? I don't I don't know. I mean, she she talks about funneling people into a small space. The city is huge, you know. They can put up screens. They, we, the city council have the ability to, to do it if they want to do it. Um, it's not a ticketed event, and maybe if it was a ticketed event, it could be different, that, you know. Is it about it, money? It's she puts the co- she money. says that you need to be mindful of running costs. The Patrick's Day Parade costs quarter of a million. Patrick's Day is a huge event in this country. You know, it's huge in this city. You know, it's 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 it's, it's apples and oranges compared to a stage up by Brown Thomas, the Ardvear, the Lord Mayor of Cork, there with Santa switching on the lights with the countdown and the children enjoying the atmosphere. I just think it is it, it's not good enough, and you know. Was there a risk assessment done here and who did the risk assessment to say that COVID, number one, I don't know how much t- the, the, the cost of the event would happen, maybe 40000 I know the, the Freedom of the City costs roughly about 40000 to do that, so I wouldn't think it would be more than that. Like yeah, if no problem finding money, €182,000 for 52 solar bins, for instance. Exactly. exactly. Do you guys sign off on these things, 182 well, grand? It, um, that was an operations um, decision, you know. Okay, so that would be done within, you know, the the running and the and the, and the bureaucracy of city council. It's a bit like the, the robot trees that came in at what three fifty or four fifty or something. That's right, Jim. That's right. That's that's not. A so how can they find money, one hundred and eighty-two grand for solar bins, but yet claim to be cash-strapped for the switching on of the lights? 
Exactly. And as I said earlier today, it's like Christmas comes every year. We know it's there. St. Patrick comes every year. It's a calendar event and it should be just organised. The switching on is nothing major, you know, but it's, it is something big for children and cost of living. Uh, this, uh, we're in a cost of living crisis. And you you would think so, wouldn't you? But yet you guys, council, um, you amongst them, where did, how did you vote on this rates increase of... Of, I uh, voted for the budget last night. 3.8% hike in commercial rates? Yep, I did, yeah. Are and you losing your mind? Like, Businesses are struggling, it, man. Well, I know that. I'm involved with uh, St. Vincent's GA Club and I know exactly where, where, where the business is. It's either cuts for, for cuts to operations and that means you'd have less cleaning of the streets and, you know, we have eyeballs always criticising Cork City and Cork, the north side of Cork City and if we don't... It was either cut to, a two million cut there and an increase to uh, people's rents or the rates. And I, I, I made the decision to vote for the budget on but that. Could you not have put in a, a rate increase that was more in keeping with other years? Owen English and the Examiner says that in previous re- years, the rates only rose by a total of 1.2% in 13 years. In the middle of what probably is a recession, when people can't put their bloody heat on and businesses are seriously struggling, you put it up by 3.8%. And you said that people are struggling, so do we put up their rent so they can't afford to light and heat their homes and, and feed their, their, their families? So it was a decision that was made. And unfortunately, you know, decisions are made and they're hard decisions. And look, I defend my decision on, on voting on, on, on this. But we're here to speak about the Christmas lights and the non the decision of... You, you, you might say that, but I, I don't follow necessarily the agenda that you might want me to follow. I brought up the rates because it's yep, going to close yep. businesses. Isn't it? But I, well, it's like this, Neil, right? We had a decision to make whether we cut to services and increases to um, to people's rents or increase of rates. It's the first time in 13 years and we made that decision. Okay. okay. Did you get to vote at all as, um, as a council? Did councillors vote on the switching on of the lights and having a family night? Or was it a decision no, made by the city manager? That's, that's an executive decision that they go and they organise that and they just ask for permission for us to go and we agree to that then that, 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 but it never came before us. Now I know Councillor John Mayer put, 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 before, um, put it in a motion and it wasn't accepted the other night because obviously you know, the, the, the CE came out saying that you know, COVID um, cost of it and I, I believe this, uh, and I formally this is my own opinion why, why would she say COVID I'd ask her herself but she just won't talk to me why, why would she say COVID if glow goes ahead exactly exactly it's beyond me it's beggar's belief like you know and it's like this Cox City Council needs uh, is it too late now but an event needs to happen because the children of this city it's all about the children here and there. I know it's about it's the businesses about. as well. Events like that generate while you're, you're hammering them for rates, you won't give them an opportunity to make money from a switch on. Yeah, well, we and exactly, we bring people in and they, they can spend money inside in town and, as I said earlier, walk the Northman Street and then Albert Punk Street and Patrick Street, but, you know, it's, it's just not good enough. Well, and it's not when you have, on. it's not really, when you think of it, the city council that cancelled the start of Christmas. Yes, Shame on them all. All right. Thanks for taking the call, Ken, as always. Yep. Councillor Ken yep. Collins covered a lot of ground. Text 0868 104 106. Your thoughts are welcome after 11. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil 
Prenderville Show. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping time for you. Remember, our Christmas hamper giveaway is back again this year. We've teamed up with paddybox.com. It's worth checking them out online because they have all sorts of hampers for all different prices and you can even design your own ones and they send them overseas all over the globe. So do check them out, paddybox.com. We have uh, lots of them to give away over the coming weeks. So I'm encouraging you to tell me about family members who are overseas that won't be home for Christmas and tell me a little bit about them and why they deserve one of our paddybox.com Christmas hampers. All right. Indeed, if you are listening overseas, as many people do live or they listen to the podcast, then you too can get in touch with me and tell me a little bit about yourself, where you are, why you're there, what you're doing, and the fact that you won't be home for Christmas and who you miss and what you miss. You know those kind of emails. I'm going to start reading them out. Uh, by the back end of this week. So neil at redfm.ie, neil at redfm.ie for all of those. And our five-star giveaway continues with Soundstore. This is worth €10,000 in cash. And we hit another milestone yesterday because we had a third voice correctly guessed. Two of them remain unknown. Well, they could well be known by somebody, but you won't find out until you pick up the phone and have a guess yourself. So I'll open those phone lines in about 15 minutes time. I'm not telling you which three voices have been guessed, but three have been correctly identified. Two remain to be solved. I love Corks. Right. FM. Those five voices, all very famous, all household names, say no more than that, but you need to identify all five of them in the correct order to win €10,000 that you can then go and spend in Soundstore, who recently opened their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. 10000 Imagine what you'd buy for €10,000 in Soundstore in Middleton. So these five voices, when I open the phone lines, please identify all five. I'll give you ten grand. I love Corks. Right. FM. All right. Three known, two to guess. Um, oh, and just very finally on this, if somebody guesses another one of them, you won't win 10 grand for guessing another one of them, but you will win a 100 euro voucher that you can also spend at Sound Store in Middleton. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. Um, by text with regards to the decision, which the city manager has defended, that there won't be any family switch on of the Christmas lights because it's too dangerous, health and safety, COVID, things like that. Uh, Good crowd down the park the other night, though. Nobody had an issue with that, says John, regarding COVID. Are they having a laugh, still trying to control people? Let's all stand up and protest about this, says Jacqueline. Uh, Well, we don't know the night that they're going to actually be switched on, so it's not as if we could just turn up anyway, be sitting there looking at the lights, hoping that the night you picked was the right one. Crowd control, they say. What about traffic control? Couldn't get near Mahan and Douglas with the match last week. That didn't bother me, but the danger was people stopping dead in a normal moving lane to skip the line or stopping traffic going onto the slips. And again, no council officials there, not a guard in sight for any of that control. Uh, The reasons given by the city manager, the worst excuse in the history of worst excuses ever. Eilish says, how many were at the rugby match? A lot of people questioning that. Uh, what about, what, what's next that they want to take away? Maybe Christmas itself, says Kelly. And Tilly says, what a joke. What about the concerts, football matches that were on during the summer and the rugby match last weekend? Myself and the children used to love going into town every year to see the lights being turned on. Surely this is a joke. Chloe says, I've heard it all now. The place is just a shambles. Um, the fun police strike again, says Stephen. You have to ask the question, Veronica, was, Veronica says, was the uh, chief executive never a child once upon a time? 
Uh, kids love this time of the year. Does it mean that the Paddy's Day Parade is cancelled too? What about the Jazz Weekend? Why wasn't that restricted? It brought tens of thousands from all over the world to the city centre for a weekend. The lights event lasts a few hours. What has this country come to? There were more people in Croke Park for Garth Brooks than would ever turn up for the, sitting, the, for the city's lighting event. But wait, concerts bring revenue. Light events cost says Andrew. Yeah, they do cost but at the same time some things are worth paying for. Um, This is up there, remember, with regards to COVID this is up there with if you buy a meal in a pub, you won't get COVID in the pub, says David. Remember those days? Anyway text 0868104106 back to the phone lines. Sheila, thanks for holding. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. I did not know, I I know I did not know when I was talking to Ken Collins that they, the council meetings are remote, are they? They're, they're online still. Are they? Really? I was told, yes, I was told by a councillor last week. And I I said to him, sure, well, how can you fight your way if you're on a line? If you're face-to-face with somebody, you can get what you want. And he agreed with me. Oh, so they still are doing Zoom calls and with all of their once faces. And week. They're getting big money for that, Neil. Yeah, well, they, they'll still be paid for attending, even though not physically attending. Uh, but you, but you know, are right. It's much harder to interact or argue your point on a screen. It is. You can't get what you want if you're face to face with somebody. You have them there, like you know. But there must be twenty or thirty faces on the screen. But but Neil, let's face it. Like everybody's gone back to known. I didn't, I didn't you know, know that. I, mean, I just didn't know that. I thought that yeah, they were. And I in. wanted to ask him when he was there. You know, that's what I, I came on to know why aren't they not back there? So, I mean, how can they ask questions? How can they fight for their, you know, for the, for the like of us? They're, they're representing us. So, how can they fight for us on the phone? Okay, okay, okay. Well, Ken, 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 Ken Collins has been on. Maybe we could call another councillor and ask them what the deal is. Maybe Ken O'Flynn might have something to say on the matter. Yeah, we because, I mean, yeah. And about the lights, yeah. I mean, she's definitely, they're definitely screwed. And I'll be honest with you, these ten pushers don't live in the normal world. Fully convinced. Can you see no acceptable reason for cancelling it? Like crowd no, control, I mean, crowd management. Uh, come on, how many? A couple of thousand people. A couple of thousand people, even if it's that, it depends on the weather. And I mean, God love us, the kids now were restricted for two years. We nearly had no Christmas. Yeah. I know, look what they're doing to them again. I mean, do they, did, did they have any children themselves? Did they get caught on, caught on the hop that they forgot and didn't have enough time to uh, plan it then? I don't know. Well, if they did, they're not doing their job right. Because you have glow that's going on, a lot of people would yeah, gather. Yeah, so they you, couldn't have been caught the hot thing. But you'd had the jazz weekend. That wasn't a COVID concern. You could, you had. I mean, do you remember the days? You, you remember the days when we used to win the Sam Maguire and the Lee McCarthy Cup? You'd have fifty, sixty, seventy. Yes. I don't know, man. I don't know. And and also, it's bad for business that they don't get an opportunity to have a family night because they'd have made an awful lot of money in the city, wouldn't they? Yes, but and then they're putting on more taxes to the people. Do you know what I mean? Why do you say, why, why, you, you pose the question, why would you bother going into town anymore? Don't you go in? I no? wouldn't I wouldn't go in anymore unless I was going to the Opera House now or something like that, the protest march, you know, for that. Because, Neil, why would you? You would have a parking ticket. I mean, Jesus, you, everywhere you pass, they're out of their hate. Yeah, no. Just and I don't... have to say it, since COVID, the streets are busy. I've never seen towns so dirty. 
Really? That's not something oh that I've God. ever noticed. They, I think the sanitation oh, department do a fabulous... Oh, no, no. They do a fabulous. Go down, but go down Olive Town Street and all there. There's all coffee stains. There's all chewing gum. It's, I think it's just last time I was in anyway. It's disgraceful. I mean it. Okay, hold on there a second because I can get that question answered whether or not they actually go in for council meetings anymore. Councillor Kenneth Flynn, Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you this What's morning? the story with regards to council meetings? Are they remote on Zoom? You know, all our city council meetings are held physically. Uh, last night's budget meeting was held physically. Monday night's council meeting was held physically. Uh, we are, um, we have, we do have a hybrid meetings. Um, we do have. Uh, Microsoft team meetings for subcommittees and, you know, SBCs. But the council um, meeting is physical. Monday night. Physically. And uh, Monday, Monday night, and, and it, was, it was streamed live then as well for people to watch it uh, who aren't members of the council to, to watch it. Um, the public can watch the stream, is it? public can watch, yes, that's right. Okay. Now, having said that, uh, Neil, um, I was in city council from one o'clock on Monday, um, attending physical meetings all, all day Monday. Do you want me to, to get out a violin now or send you um, know, a bag of sweets or something? No, no. Neil, <laughs> 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 you know now I'm big enough and ugly enough to take any No, I just, tell you, just give me the impression that you're saying I'm a hard-working counsellor. Well, <laughs> I was Neil, there since one o'clock. I don't need to tell you. I don't need to tell you how hard-working I am. Um, well, why are you telling me you no, were there from one but, o'clock then? But no, but I'm, just, I'm just saying that there was various subcommittees that were held physically. Um, and various briefings that were held physically on Monday as well. So there is, there, is a mix. there is a mix. All right, Sheila, they're physically, they physically why, meet. Yeah. But why did Fianna Fáil uh, Council tell me just last Saturday week that they're not, they were doing them on night, they were doing them Maybe you just online. can't believe what Fianna Fáil tell you. <laughs> well, well, Neil, my experience with Fianna Fáil, I can guarantee you can't believe a word. No, no, King, when you were in it. Be fair. <laughs> All right, Sheila, but that answers your question. She also yeah. says she wouldn't be found dead in the city anymore, she said. Filthy, yeah. way too much begging, parking's too expensive, too much hassle. Well, you're, you're correct, Neil, and we, we've discussed it on a number of occasions. I, I, I was at a meeting recently with guards, uh, and we, we brought it up again, the, you know, and like the, the superintendents are telling us how, how difficult t- times are for them and how difficult it is to get guard, to have a, a full guard of presence. We have quite a good guard of presence at night in the city, um, but uh, certainly daytime, daytime isn't, isn't satisfactory at all. And I have to say, Neil, like, you know, Dublin, uh, it's been discussed by the guards in Dublin, discussed by the Minister of Justice to bring in a special team for, for Dublin. Uh, Cork has been totally ignored. Yeah, and that's um, why the and, Lord Mayor's want to... The reality is that, yeah. you know, it was announced in the budget a thousand more guards, but that's just, honestly, that's just to okay. cover the guards that are leaving. Okay, okay, we know, so we know that story. We know that story inside out and we know the state of the city inside out, but what about the Christmas lights family switch on? Well, uh, the brief that we got from the city manager the, the, or the CEO the other day was that there was, you know, A, COVID hasn't gone away, right? B, we are having... Did she actually place. say COVID? Yeah, she, she did say COVID hasn't gone away. I quoted directly on that. But there was also a, an entire management problem. The, we've been the victim of our own success when it comes to the Christmas lights because, you know, every year prior to COVID, there has been a great upbuild and surge in the city. The difficulty that you have Unlike Patrick's Day, where you have thousands of people in the city where they're all spread out, you have people concentrated in one particular area. And that brings issues in itself. It brings 
fire and safety, it brings health and safety. Yeah, it brought 45 people, 45,000 people into Parky Queen for it. That wasn't a problem. They were sitting yeah. next to each other. What well, was the deal there then? Cer- 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 certainly our plans going forward um, from discussing this with with the with other members of council and discussing it with with um, with management is bringing in a new system or a new style of turning on lights. Maybe using our regional parks. We're just not we're, look. We're just we're just not able to do it this year. Why? Um, as was planned. Why? And that comes that comes down that comes down to planning. That comes down to the the health and safety and the risk and the risk and the guard and the guard of presence. All that could have been done though if they did it early enough to tick all those boxes. Come on, give me a break here. No, 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 no. Look, look. I'm telling you what's been told to me. I'm not defending anybody, but I'm, I'm here to set the record straight. She says it's become an ev- she, it, it became an event that was very dangerous. Let's call a spade a spade, funneling a large number of unknown numbers of people into a very small space. Into That's, a very small space. It's yeah. not a small space. Yeah. Patrick Street is very wide. But not when you're bringing 50, 60, 70,000 people. There would never space. be that amount of people for well, a light had, I think we had 50,000 people prior to court inside in Patrick Street. Isn't it a a wonderful thing, though? I I know. Really, I thought there was a fantastic atmosphere. I was always in for the for the for the lighting ceremony, and I loved it. And I love the atmosphere. I think what we're going to have to do going forward is look at what we're doing regionally. No, maybe Um, we just have to live with the fact that COVID will always be amongst us and let people get on with their lives. uh, Correct. Correct, but it's not just about COVID, but I think there is a health and safety. If there's a crush or if there's a problem, okay. So we cancel the St Patrick's Day parade then, will we? Because of COVID. no, no, but Patrick's Day is a different thing. And we're not talking about just about COVID. We're talking about health and safety. If there's a run or if there's, a, if there's some, some sort of problem, if an ambulance, if somebody collapses, how do you get into the city? How do you get out, out of the city? How do you get people through the city? If there's some sort of attack or if there's something shouted. Now, I, I don't know if you're familiar, but in Spain a couple of years ago... There we was can't a live in problem. fear, Ken. No, but there's, there was a huge amount of problems where people hurled abuse or hurled a particular slogan which would be f- f- uh, similar to an Islamic slogan. But we, even if that were to happen, and we have a fear of that happening, we still have to get on with our lives. It does not mean we should have to surrender because of fear. You can't leave people in a situation where there isn't, where there isn't health and safety, where there isn't access for ambulance or, or ambulance or emergency services. You can't be negligent to people's health and safety in that way. But if there was a risk of some kind of an event... Why would you allow a huge, big Ferris wheel to be built on the Grand Parade and attract loads of people for Glow? But it was wonderful. And as you, as you recall, Glow was my original idea back in 2008. And violins again for that one. Yeah. No, 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 no. But like, call a spade a spade, Neil. I'm not looking for violins. I'm not looking for praise. Um, but that's the, that's the reality. I think they just dropped the ball on it. I think they didn't do the. I didn't think they just didn't do the work early enough to get no, it across the line. You have to remember. You have to remember as well that works were meant to start in in November for um, Doctor Bishop Lucy Park, and they've been delayed now for whatever reasons. Um, building contracts etc and, and, and all that sort of stuff but there was meant to be works mo- moved on that so you would have had a situation where works were going on and building works and, and demolition works were going to happen there oh, does that, Was so there, there anyone there ever injured at the switching happen. on of the lights in the past? Was there ever uh, a stampede? Not, was there ever a crush? No there, was, there wasn't a crush there wasn't a stampede thank God um, and that's down to good management and good guard, good guard, guard of policing, etc. Um, but there's always the risk of that. You have to have the risk analysis of that. And Neil, I certainly wouldn't, you know, if we were the crush tomorrow at, the, at a lighting ceremony, 
uh, in Cork. You know, your callers would be very annoyed with Cork City Council, they'd be very annoyed with the elected representatives, and there'd be a lot of blame left on our door, City, um, Gardaí's door, everybody else that there wasn't a proper... Well, uh, that, that is true, but on that basis, we have to err on the side of caution and cancel, yeah, do we? Yeah. No, but I, unfortunately, because because there was meant to be plan, because there was meant to be planned works in Bishop Lucy Park, Glow wasn't run out this year, uh, and you know we were t- talking about moving it into City Hall, Millennium Hall, etc., like that, and making the Winter Wonderland there. Look, it's a it's Glow a, is going but, ahead though. Yeah, but it, it, it is in a di- in a different in a different form, a slightly different form. Okay, what, what okay. it has been, you know. Okay, uh, look. You know, we want to keep the city alive. Um, you you don't give that impression with a 3.8% rate hike. You're going to close uh, businesses with that. Uh, and no, Neil, I don't know if you read my statement or not, or you read the piece nope. of the examiner. I, I didn't vote for the 38 um, increase. Were there many of you that didn't I, vote? I, thought, I, I think five of us voted against it. Uh, and then the, par- the parties voted in block, of course. Um, look, the 3.8 increase, I, as I said last night at the council meeting, this is going to be the final nail in a lot of coffins. You know, people are facing bank charges. You have an increase in lending rates. You have an increase in the cost of living. You have an increase in the in the cost, we, in the cost we of energy. We know all of those. Uh, CBA and, are freaking and, out. Chamber and, of Commerce and, and, are freaking and, and, out. Restaurants and, 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 associations are freaking the, out. I spoke to the restaurant association yesterday. I spoke to the uh, business association yesterday for their representatives as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm very much supportive of them. And I think it was, it was the wrong decision was made last night. You say it will have a devastating effect for many businesses. I I, I can guarantee any. This will be this uh, after Christmas. We'll see a lot of cafes and various little businesses in the city close, and that will be this will be the nail in the coffin. Okay, but and so, I genuinely mean that. So I genuinely okay, mean just that. on the and light switch on. Yeah, okay, just okay, just on the switch on of the lights. A family event. Are you? Do you agree with this, the uh, the chief executive that this is the right decision or not? <laughs> it's very rare. I agree with the chief. So you do. Meal. You know that. On the basis look, of what? I COVID or a terrorist attack? Is it? Honestly, 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 I would have liked to have a, a the city alive again, getting people into the city, having them out for the night in the city, buying their Christmas shopping, buying locally, shopping locally, going for a drink in wherever, and going for a bite to eat. I think that's an important thing to do. I think, and you're right. City council officials dropped the ball on this. I understand where they were coming from because they were saying this. Lucy Park won't be open, it will be open, etc. But I agree, we should have had we should have had and should have some sort of lighting ceremony in the city to kick off Christmas and kick off getting people into the city and going in to see the lights and Okay, but you guys don't get to vote on decisions like this. She just makes No, that's 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 a management decision. Okay. All right. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Text 0868104106. I have in the past asked to speak with uh, the chief executive. You need to turn his radio down there, Finbar, if you don't mind. I go back to early September when we actually sent off another email to the communications department at City Council. Uh, and they came back and said that the uh, chief executive was not available that week, but will be happy to appear on the show soon. Um, because she actually had met her and she said she was keen to come on air. And I was just following up then with an email saying, when suits? And they said, we'll be in touch shortly. Well, that was back in early September. We went back to the council again this morning to see if, if she was possibly available for an, an interview, for a chat on air this morning. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge, at uh, half past 11 on a Wednesday morning, I got no response to that. Uh, text 0868 Finbar, good morning. Okay, he needs to turn his radio down, guys, and I'll come back after the break. Talk to-
to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I was telling you earlier on this morning about uh, Kevin Hurley, who owns a number of uh, Centra shops and delis in the city centre. He also is the uh, president of the Cork Business Association. Joins me by WhatsApp. Kevin, good morning. Thank you for holding I need, on. I, appreciate I, need, good morning. You, I know you're no under problem. pressure for time, so thank you. Firstly, what's the CBA's response? You represent the businesses in the city that there's going to be no family switch on, firstly. Um, well, in relation to the Christmas lights, we're obviously d- very disappointed that there's not going to be anything going on. But I do, to be fair, I do see the council's point of view in relation to the health and safety issues that happened in 2019. What uh, health on- and safety issues? So there was a massive influx of people into Patrick Street, Neil. If you remember, you you um, were reporting on it the following day. There was a bin truck, if you remember, parked in the middle of the road to try and stop the crowd going down. And there was a lot of health and safety issues that night. And I think this is probably one of the reasons that they decided not to run with that. So when um, I get a text like this, in, 19, in 2019, the turning on of the lights was a health and safety hazard, Neil. I said I would never go after that year. They had all the side streets closed, so we're only letting uh, people in and out at the top end of Patrick Street. I remember being jammed in the crowd at a standstill for at least 10 minutes. It was dangerous and frightening. I said I wouldn't do it again. That's an example of what you're describing. Yeah, I, I agree. I Like my own store um, up on the top of Patrick Street next to Marks and Spencer's, they put a big hoarding right down between the footpath and the street. So like, they were, they were blocking off side streets. They were there. Look, I'm not a health and safety expert by any means, but all I know is that that night there was certainly a health and safety issue and the powers that be inside the council decided not to run with it this year. OK, but that um, was because, wasn't that because in hindsight, looking back, because they corralled everybody and penned everybody in, closed all of the side streets so people couldn't enter or exit. That, like that, that they caused the problem. Possibly, Neil. Possibly. We'll have to talk to them about that. I honestly don't know what You don't jam people in and corral them. We learned lessons like that in the past where people died. Definitely. Definitely. There was hoardings up the whole way up Patrick Street, past Debenhams, past my store, up past Marks and Spencer's. And I don't know why they were there that night. When I questioned the council, they said it's a health and safety issue. They created the hazard. So that we should learn from that and not have those kind of hoardings, not have those barriers. Agreed, and it doesn't happen on Patrick's Day. It always runs exceptionally well on Patrick's Day. But surely be the God businesses would be very fed up with this, this kind of carry on, using that or COVID or whatever the case may be as an excuse. Well, I suppose we're we're not 100% happy that it's not going ahead, but I think we've got bigger fish to fry here today, Neil. They put a 3.8% increase on our rates yesterday, just like that. And as if things aren't hard enough at the moment, I've got a 400% increase in our energy bills we've got inflation we've got food price increases we've got wage increases we've got all of that and then on top of all the council put this 3.8 and to be honest all the business associations between ourselves and chamber throughout the, the city were just not happy with it yeah restaurant association is saying additional operating costs will render many businesses unviable that's what mike ryan says at the corn store and cockpit that piece that but then again their their reason for that is, is if they don't put it on the rates they'll have to increase City Council tenants rent? Well, I'm not really sure about that, but I just know that they, they, they could ask central government for more funding. I think they need to get more funding from central government to fund the city. That's my own personal opinion. I don't think they're getting enough from central. But they and got 28 million more than they did money, you know? last year, though. Yeah, but I think that with everything that's going, like I've got a 400% 
energy increase in my business. So, you know, we're looking at different ways to do it. I just think it was the wrong year to put 3.8% on us. I think if they put something like 2%, we would have been happy. And is that, like, in terms of euro, is that a significant chunk of money to a business, 3.8%? Well, if you've got a if you've got a business that's paying rates of say just over twenty thousand euros a year, that's um, you know that's 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 sorry, I don't have a calculator. It's about seven or eight hundred euro. I think. Yeah, it's about a thousand euro. I think we were calculating one of our stores this morning. That's paying, it's paying. Um, I'll tell you there now. Um, it's like a death by a thousand. An extra fifteen hundred euros a year. One of yeah, our stores yeah, is going to be paying. You know, yeah, so yeah. it's it's quite significant. I know it, it might be huge at the at the in the scale of things but it's just another thing added on and you know you talk about Mike Ryan there in the Restaurants Association they've also got to deal with a 13% bat increase coming down the line in 2023 as well Yeah there's not as much sympathy though for those in hospitality considering how they dealt with uh, COVID and how they're dealing with uh, you know room rates and how they're dealing with uh, you know increases to food and they got they did very well during COVID with regards to pandemic payments and now we find that the prices are gone through the roof. So there's not as much sympathy, I think, would you think, for restaurants and hoteliers because of their carry-on with rates? That's true. There isn't a lot of sympathy there for them, but I would say that um, I'm friendly with quite a lot of the publicans and, and restaurateurs in the city, and they were closed for months on end just relying on the government subsidies. They had to warehouse a huge amount of debt, and warehousing means basically parking the debt and they now have to pay that debt so that's also been announced for 2023 that those debts need to be replaced as well so you know it's just another thing being added yeah they can find 182 grand though for solar bins city council they can find is it 350 or 450 thousand for uh, robot trees when they need to they they seem to be able to find money for silly things don't they Um, Well, I think the bins are an excellent idea, to be honest. I know there's an initial massive outlay on them, but I think they, um, you know, my store in Oliver Plunkett Street, the bin across the road from it used to be always overflowing and it looked awful for the city. And I know that previous lady that was on was saying that the city is dirty. This is this is certainly something that would alleviate that problem. The the air trees are an environmental issue. I suppose you're talking to the wrong person. Yeah, I'm just curious about these solar bins. Like if somebody somebody throws a lighted fag into it, that's the end of the three and a half grand bin, I imagine, you know? Um, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, okay. No, I appreciate. I appreciate your honesty. That, you know? Just one final point. Then you make the front of the echo today, talking about a bed for every desk. What does that mean? Well, I was at the Cork Better Buildings Awards last week, and there was a lot of developers at the at the function, and I had to get up and say my speech. And I suppose what I'm saying is that. There are many jobs being created in Cork, and the perfect example would be the Queen's Hall Castle, where there's between 800 and 900 jobs going to be created. Mm. And in the CBA, we're just asking the question, where are these people going to live? Um, they don't want to have to commute, commute to, say, Cargillane or Valencolic or, or McCroom or whatever it is. These people want to live and work in the city centre. And it's the government strategy that they want everybody to be able to live, work and commute between, in a 15 minute walk or cycle from where they're working. So the city centre developments aren't happening. And I know you've covered it many times in your show in relation to the lack of apartments that are being built in the city. So for every and office block, there should be an equivalent amount of beds for every desk yeah that's that's what we're saying for every debt for every desk for every job that's created in the city there needs to be a new 
there needs to be a new accom- uh, an accommodation bed provided. And is it true that employers like yourself are actually buying houses uh, to house staff? And also, second point to that question, that you have a proportion of hotel bedrooms now are being used to house staff as well. Correct, yeah. About 10% of um, a lot of the hotels around Cork and indeed Ireland are, are housing their staff in hotel rooms. And we ourselves um, have a few houses rented and we bought a house as well um, to house our staff, to bring staff in from abroad because we just couldn't get people. And even as it is, it's still a struggle. We're really Why do you think people don't want to work in Ireland in, in, in services industries like yours? Good question, Neil. Maybe they've maybe they've moved abroad. Maybe they've moved on to uh, other industries. Like there was a massive um, um, uh, drain on people working in the in the service industry throughout COVID. You know, you'd a lot of chefs, for example, that when when they lost their jobs when the restaurants closed, they got jobs nine to fives in in pharmaceutical and other places like that. And then when they were when their jobs reopened back when, when lockdown ended, they just said, you know what, I'm going to stick with what I'm at at the moment. And mm. that's possibly one of the reasons. And, you know, it's it's just a struggle to get staff. Um, but we have, with 300 people working for us, we've 30 of them now housed. Um, we have excellent people working for us, excellent staff from all over Ireland and indeed all over Europe and all over the world. And, um, you know, I'd be hoping that they're very happy working for us. OK, thanks for taking the call, Kevin. Appreciate you holding on. Kevin Cheers. Early of Centra and also uh, the president of the Cork Business Association. Finbar. Hello. Oh, there you are. A quick call from you. Go ahead. What's on your mind? I'm listening. I'm just saying, what, what, what about uh, Lord Mills Ball? Well, now go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, if you cancel one, cancel everything, is it? Exactly, yes. And all the people at Sandy or Kenneth and all them, he's talking another load of waffle. All that, and this guy that was on last year they filled, filled with all their shops in, inside in the city. Why are they talking waffle, Finbar? Well, he came on there, so he said everything again, and yet he, he was at the voting for it. Why in the name of God would you have a lo- turning on light ceremony where you close all of the side streets... And you jam people into an enclosed area like Patrick's Day where they can't move about and think that it's going to be okay. Like, that makes no sense to me. That creates um, a hazard, a health and safety hazard. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I, I'm, I'm all for, for the... No, but they're, they're, they're saying the reason was was because of being Health stuck. Health and safety. In, yeah, yeah, but they, from what I can see, but they, they created... Yeah, I believe they did, yeah. They caused it, so when you do that, you don't make the place small, no? When you can't, when yes. people can't move about or use the side streets as exits, you're asking for trouble. Of course, you are straight away. Should have one, one, and then one, you put one, barriers one, up to block them. Sure, what are you expecting? It's like if you're trying to create you're a problem. To go, sure. yeah. If there's anything going to happen, sure, you'll, you'll stop from going, going to safety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's common sense, yeah. though, Finbar, you see. That's yeah, common sense. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. But right, also, then. all the people that's on there now, you'll see them now. Will they, will they, will they not go out today if they get an email out? You're invited to the law meals bar. We don't take place in Nako and say, well, that's it, we're not going there. Yeah. Health and safety. Yeah. Will, yeah. They have the, will they have a pair of them to say to them? Yeah. We'll they wouldn't have the right there. We'll wait and they're see. Because they're, they're afraid of the, the, the establishment. That's what's wrong. They but want to keep on the right side of them all the time. Yeah, but they say that the main one of the main reasons for not a family switch on of the lights is to do with COVID. Mm-hmm. Covid. That's <laughs> Covid. What? What? I suppose. I suppose even you meant that there was a name. Was it the old back door playing down in Barky the park last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm see them going where they didn't come fair. Did they get any cover after they finished the match? Well, yeah. All the crowd that was there. 45,000 of them all sitting cheap yeah. to jail. Uh, all right, my man. To, all right. Stay in touch. Christ. And... Alright, go on, go on, your grand. Cheers, Bart. Take care. Thanks, Finbar. Text 0868104106. Not having crowds in town for the Christmas lights is all about not upsetting other religions. Simple as, says Timmy. Uh, Did City Council not take half a dozen junkets somewhere recently? What were the costs of those? If Cork City Council is cancelling the turning on of the Christmas lights because of the number of people in the city, does this mean they will cancel St. Patrick's Day as well, where there are twice the amount of people in the city? 50,000 people came to stay in the city for the jazz festival on top of the Cork residents that were in the city. Why didn't they cancel the jazz? None of this makes any sense. Billy says it's more to do with insurance liability, I'd say, that they couldn't get insurance for it. Richie says, can we assume that the Pride Parade won't go ahead next year for the very same reasons? Keep those coming. We'll pick it up if we can this side of 10 o'clock, but 11 midday, I should say. But right now... With about 13 minutes left to talk to you. Well, actually, more like six or seven. I need to get some guesses on the air. This is our five-star giveaway. The phone lines are open, 0818 We now know, although I'm not telling you which ones, we now know three of the voices have been guessed, but there's five in total. I love Cork. Right. FM. These five celebrities, these five stars... All say a word each, and when you stitch it together, they say, I love Cork's Red FM. I love Cork's Red FM. But who are they? All right, pick up the phone, 0818104106. Let's get guessing. Somebody will definitely, eventually win €10,000, which you can spend at the new superstore that Soundstore have opened at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. Simples. So get dialing now. 0818104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Neil's five star giveaway. With Sound Store celebrating the opening of their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park, Middleton. All right, that's 10 grand. Five voices in the correct order. Maureen's in Dublin Hill. Maureen, good morning. Morning, Neil. Now, have a listen for yourself. This is just for you. €10,000. I love Cork's Red FM. What do you think? Um, Nile Horn. Laura Whitmore. Michael Flatley. Nigella Lawson. And Tommy Turner. No, funny enough. You're back to two right. Yesterday, we even got three right. So, you need to... Keep listening oh, and keep I, on trying again, yeah, you know. I know where I have to turn around now. I will, I will ring again. You will, because I can't give you another go at it, to be fair to everybody. Andrew and Cove. Hello. Right, have a listen to this now. Oh. See how you get on. Have a listen. Hold on a second. I'll give you an opportunity. I love Corks. Right. FM. All right. All five. Michael Flatley, number one. Kate Winslet, Reggie, Blackrock Road, Laura Whitmore. No, we're back to two again. Two correct. We need all five. So uh, two right. The others, I'm afraid. But thanks all the same, Andrew. Lines are open. 0818-104-106. Get calling. Five in the correct order wins you €10,000 cash. Meanwhile, just because people have been waiting, let me get another one or two calls on the air. Shane, good morning. How are you doing now? Okay, with regards to the cancelling of the Christmas family switch on, go ahead. Right, just very quickly. It's a basic thing. If you're not fit to organise it, don't don't bother being in the office for organising it. It's it's last year if it went wrong, or sorry, in 2019 if it went wrong, suss out the problems. 
assess the issue and, and address them. You know, if there's a hole in your boat and you're sinking, you, you, you figure out how to fix it. Do you know what I mean? That is part of their job and their remit to deliver events safely. Obviously, obviously, to create create an atmosphere to bring people into the city and, and, and spend the money and, and make it make it a vi- everybody's business viable, you know? Yeah, yeah. What about, I mean, if it's what a COVID scenario, yeah, yeah. cancel the bus from Kinsale if it's a COVID scenario. Because that's so jam-packed all the time. Even if it was 50,000 people... I mean, you'd still have 50,000 people at a soccer or a GA match. I understand that. But it's, well, look, as far as I'm aware, they were all corralled, you know. Like, if you're trying to catch, put, put cattle into a trailer, you'll corral them. Like, who does that and closes off all of the side streets where you can't get away in the case if you needed to? Who and when that was a mistake, to pen people in? And when that was a mistake, they said not to try anything again because, oh, we got it wrong the first time. I don't want to make it. Make myself look bad. You've put it very well, in fairness to you. Well done, Shane. Thank you for that. Paddy, good morning. Last word to you. Go ahead. How you doing? All right. No, I, I think it's crazy. Like, if you had me whole Martin there, he'd be blaming the Ukrainian war. I'm very, very surprised that that's not been blamed for what's happening here. They didn't roll out the war on Ukraine, yeah. They, yeah, they blame it for everything know, else. They are, and you know better than to talk negative about Cork. The Lord Mayor told you that the other day, and so did Simon DeWise. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But I mean, if they, and they were on about the rents, putting up tenants' rents, if they didn't put up the, those rates for the businesses. But all the houses that are left unoccupied are paying rent on the boards on those houses. You know, and if those houses were given out to tenants, they'd make a lot of rent that way. That's and a very good point, actually. If other aspects of what they were doing were done efficiently, faster, and if more efficiently, they'd save an awful lot of money. They'd be getting money in because those metal boards are renters. That is a fact. Yeah. And yeah. there's thousands of them around the city. And they're being paid every week or every month. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. And if there was people living in those houses, paying their rent, they wouldn't be having this stupid worry, you know. Okay. Well, that's probably the war in Ukraine as well. <laughs> All right, there's nothing talking yourself, yet. Take care. It's a pity they didn't blame the war in Ukraine. They blame it for everything else. Okay, we'll do some more guesses, guys. So 0818 These five voices, it's worth... 10,000 euro. Get them all right. I love Cork. Right. FM. 0818104106 after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Come here a while till I want you. Neil's five-star giveaway. With Soundstore celebrating the opening of their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park, Middleton. Okay, Jennifer's on Baker's Road. Jennifer, good morning. Hello, how oh, are you? Lovely talking to you. Have a listen. I love Cork. Right. FM. 10,000 euro. You can spend it in the store. No questions asked. Give me the list. Okay, so I'm going to go for Niall Horan, Laura Whitmore, Nigella Lawson, Lon O'Connor that reads the news for Red FM, and then Colin Farrell. Is it you, Lan? Is it no? Hang on. Is it you? Um, no, Neil. I'm afraid it's not. I think that's you that says corks. <laughs> Say corks there, lad. Corks. There we go. <laughs> Listen, let me just let me see it. Nigella, you're both very um, well spoken. <laughs> does, that, does that mean I'm posh? No, you just have a beautiful voice. We all know that. Hang on a second. I love corks. Right. FM. Corks. Says, FM, yeah. that corks. That corks sounds like a man to me. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer. No go. Not a this quick time. Quick question before I go. Yeah. 
I'm working feelings for the last three and a half years. And Why do you want me to know about it? Free food. It's a free food Friday for the last three and a half years, and this Friday is my last Friday, and we all love roosters. That's all I want to say. Oh, you have and to give her lunch, Neil. You have to. Well, no, she's just saying she likes roosters. She's not asking for anything. <laughs> and I love Red FM, and I love you, and we all love you, Laura, Gloria, and Colm here love you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to kneel. I can't, guys. I can't rig it. I have to be fair. I mean, I might. I tell you what, I might do because you're so lovely and you say such kind things. I'll organise some for you and still give away the normal one on Friday. So I'll, I'll do an extra for you. How about Woo-hoo! that? And there's only three of us here, and we love you. <laughs> what's in it for? What's in it for me, though? Uh, I'll sing on the radio anytime you like. <laughs> Just stay listening. That's all you got to do. We'll organize. We'll organize. We'll organize some food for you for Friday because of your um, because of your cheekiness. My final, my final clocking out. Best of luck, Jennifer, on your next Thank journey. You so Thank you so much. Well Have done. Day. All right. Wait, wait, which feelings is it? Oh, feelings in Baker's Road, very important. <laughs> I've been growing up all her the north side. For God's sake, because I'd end up sending it to Douglas and they'd be looking at me stupid. <laughs> oh, up the side, the best side. All right, okay, side. okay. Listen, um, text me back on Friday morning to remind me, remind me of a head like a sieve, all right? I will, I'll send a picture as well, don't worry. All right, good luck, good luck. <laughs> a picture of what? <laughs> <laughs> don't send me a photograph. Melanie's in Octahini. Melanie? Hi, Nile. Have a listen to this now, see what we do. I love Corks. Right. FM. In the correct order, if you can, go ahead. Jamie Dornan, number one. Angela Lansbury, Maura Higgins, Laura Whitmore, and Niall Horan. Uh, you got three right, in fairness to you. You got three right. Straight. Getting there slowly but surely. Keep on slowly. trying. Two more okay, now, thanks, and you'll be Dave. sorted, all right? Just all very right, finally, you. all the best. Take care, Melanie. Margaret right, and Roberts right, Cove, good morning. Good morning. Okay, these three are, f- well, we know of three, but give me the five of them. I love Corks. Right. Graham Norton, Rachel Allen, Laura Whitmore, Michael Flatley, Niall Horton. Now we're back to two with you, girl, but thanks for trying all the same. Oh. I'm out of time, guys. We'll do it again in the morning. Get all five right in the correct order. You'll win 10,000 euro, courtesy of ourselves and Sandstore. Very soon, I'll be giving out a list of incorrect guesses, and that will help you a little bit. All right? But all five voices, please. Last bit of business. Lines are open now. The film festival is uh, well underway at this stage. We have tickets for a particular performance or showing of one of the classics on Friday at half past two at the Everyman. Here's a clip from the film. We've got two double passes to give away 0818 104 106, but you need to name the film. Get on the phone. Ah, Francie, you're a ticket. <laughs> what kind of ticket would that be now, ladies, huh? A bus ticket, maybe, yeah? Yeah? Maybe a train ticket. Or a one-way ticket, am I? Is that what I am? <laughs> I had you there, ladies, hadn't I? Oh, I love it, I love it. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.